Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk a bunch of animated shows and movies here with new podcasts every other Wednesday. Find everything about us at OverlyAnimated.com. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Michelle Ander. Hello. And Delaney Stovall will be joining us in a little bit for our main topic on Hilda Season 2. That's right, that our main topic today is... Hilda is new season, very exciting, um, major release here. We are very excited to talk about it. Should have a lot to get into, so that's coming later in the podcast. You can check the podcast description wherever you're listening to it for timestamps on when that discussion will be. But first, we are going to start off with some things that we have been watching um, in animation recently, and we have a few interesting things, I think, to get into uh, this uh, week, this podcast so I think we can get right into it. We should have plenty to talk about later with Hilda. So uh, first thing, Michelle, is uh, we're both big Summer Camp Island fans. Yes. And uh, we had a four-episode drop on HBO Max last week, with it, which is the four-part Susie slash general backstory kind of arc for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, highly anticipated, uh, just because we learned about it several months ago, and now yeah. we're finally getting it. Yeah. So that's good that we got it. Uh, I assume you liked it. Yes. Oh my gosh, this arc is so good. I love that they're just going for arcs now. I their their commitment. Yeah. I, is it's it so going to be exciting. a thing? I don't know. Is this a special thing or is it going to be a regular thing? I don't know. We'll I, yeah. We'll yeah. Michelle's like, I'm milk because I. See I can't things, speak but... to that, but <laughs> okay. I love this. Yeah, you liked it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like this was. I didn't expect us to get this amount of backstory. Um, I assume like things maybe casually said, like the way Susie would casually talk about Mildred every once mm-hmm. in a while. But this was like the true OG origin story for why the island is the way it is and why it's a summer camp and the fate of magic in the world at large. Like this is so much. But I love how they handled it. Yeah, I thought it was super fun. It was gorgeous. The animation, yes. it was no standout animation. Uh, I it was it was really fun. I especially loved part four. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it came together at the end. I was like liking parts of the first three. I mean, I like the whole thing, but um, part four. I mean, like Susie has a big musical number. Like, come on, that was incredible. <laughs> I love that you consider that a big musical number. She does have her own. That was my highlight of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, really? I loved it. No, but the the biggest best part, for me best part of the thing about part four was we get the um, tie into what seems like the under the overarching plot, I guess now of Summer Camp, which was yeah, learning yeah. that everyone's magical. That's coming off of the heels of learning that Oscar's magical, and that was so that felt very satisfying. It's very satisfying, especially when we think like, oh, they've been seeding this so well for a couple of seasons now. Because like, yeah, why does Lucy just hang out with Yetis all the time? Like, well, it's because she's part Yeti. Why is Hedgehog like so good at magic? Like, it's because she is magical. Like, all of this makes so much sense. And I love this layer to it. Like, none of these kids were accidentally just ending up at this island. It was all pre-planned by Susie and the witches. Like, I love that. Learning that all the campers are magical is one of the best, the best stealth reveals I think that I've ever seen. Like it's, it's it took si- sixty episodes and then we drop it on us after like very subtly, like in the pre and, and coming on the heels of a less subtle but like characters focused arc. Like um, I just love how that was handled. It's um, it's really interesting because it also just goes into the lore of like how magic is a resource that can be depleted and that like generationally you have these kids that don't have maybe as much innate connection to magic as like an older time world used to have. 
Um, and they're like the last hope, right? Like without them, like magic could just die forever. Like that's crazy, but it, it adds some real stakes to Summer Camp Island. And again, I didn't see any of this coming, but I really like that the show's going for it. I, lo- I love what it's doing here. Yeah. Um, and we get a overall explanation for like, we saw, we kind of knew that the world, I guess, used to be, I don't know if we remember if we did, but we saw like when magic was more integrated into the world mm-hmm. in episode one, I thought that was really fun. Would have loved to have seen more of that, honestly, more than one episode, but uh, maybe in the, in the future. Um, it's, I think the other big takeaway is the uh, Susie Ramona connection. And oh, yeah. uh, I think just Susie is painted as such a tragic character. Yes, after especially this episode backstory. four. Like it's yeah. so devastating. It's it's perfect for her. Like, it's me. <laughs> it's it's mean, but like it's like it's it really. I mean, it's, it's so tragic. Like what what it what it shows, and just strengthens an already incredibly strong character. And then this this connection between Susie and Ramona, which I'm sure some people are interpreting in di- romantically or in different ways. Um, or in different ways. Interesting. Or friend. I mean, friendship uh, is what they, the episode they presents. Want to re- I will just say they want to retire together to a house in Massachusetts. They're, that's their like life plan. So I assume you would you, the house. Yeah, I I could. I didn't even have to ask. I knew you would. <laughs> but uh, this is I assume well, you could interpret this. The show is doing romantic friendship equals romance akin to uh, early Shira type of thing that it's kind of going for is uh, what you could interpret. True. This as. I mean, I I think it's one of those things where like it certainly helps if your your romantic partner is your best friend, but that. Maybe the ultimate goal is finding a best friend regardless. Because I will say, like, I'm not 100% convinced that Oscar and Hedgehog are, like, <sighs> going to end up in a romantic relationship. Uh, I don't think, I don't yeah. think they are. Yeah. But for for Ramona and Susie, I, I mean, I don't think this is me just having, like, queer goggles on. There, there is enough there to be like, oh my god, like I can't believe. But like the, again, that adds to the devastation of Susie's feelings yeah. of like betrayal. It's like it's not just that her best friend lied to her; it's that like they had this life plan, and Ramona's not sticking to it anymore for very good reasons that make a hundred percent sense given the circumstances. But like, I think that that deepens the wound um, much more than it otherwise would have been. And I I love that for drama, but it also just makes me sad because I hope they can be together in the future at some point. Yeah, I wonder if the. Sh- I mean, I feel. I feel like just the tone of summer camp on is very friendship, not about romance. So I feel like it's, it'll probably it's stick to this forever. For sure, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I wonder they could pivot this in the future. They could. <laughs> they could. Oh, I it's hope. An- they, I mean, personally, like wish list, bucket list, whatever. I hope they do. It would be. It would be good. I also, I also thought uh, Betsy and Alice were really cute. Uh, they this really cute. And we, we get their OG story too. Like I yeah. love that eventually Susie's like, all right, I promoted you from like, like just like in my coffin to casual friends. <laughs> yeah. That, that was very, very funny. Very Susie. Um, yeah, so um, it's that, and just the explanation of why it's a summer camp. We got the you got the backstory for the premise of the show. So I thought that was very it was just such a big uh, four four part arc we get here, and uh, probably probably one of the highlights of. I mean, not probably for sure one of the highlights of Summer Camp Island so far. Maybe even the best work from the show. For sure. It just like it lays everything else so succinctly. I was also just very surprised that um, the falling out with Ramona happened literally the day that the campers arrived. I thought that was like way. Yeah. I thought it was like a super old wound, but that actually makes a lot more sense because Ramona had been reaching out with the 
impression that Susie would still want to reach back to her. And it's because it's so fresh. It hasn't really sunk into Ramona, maybe how devastated Susie is, or like the feelings are so fresh for Susie that she's just not willing to, you know, be the bigger person and understand Ramona's side of doing what she did. But it's just really good. It just, it makes so much sense with everything we know at this point. And it's very satisfying. Yeah, I think so. The whole thing was was very satisfying. Very happy with this Summer Camp Island Susie backstory. And we'll see if we get more from Summer Camp even in the following weeks. A little bit unclear, but we might be getting yeah. more episodes on HBO Max uh, very soon. Okay. Still, uh, before, that, before we move on, I do have one theory I want to present to the table. Because who knows when we'll talk about this show again. On my latest rewatch, I I think Pajamas cracked the secret of saving magic. And I was shook. I did not remember this any time before watching it. But like what Pajamas says is like, he's like trying to piece it together. He's like the prophecy says two best friends save magic. And then he says, because that is, isn't that redundant? Because best friends are already two people. Do you know what that means? That means that Oscar and Hedgehog and Ramona and Susie have to work together to save magic. It has to be all four of them because that's two pairs of best friends. They have been misinterpreting the prophecy and that's why it hasn't worked yet. And this means there's going to be Susie Ramona redemption 100% guaranteed if the show concludes with that, with actually magic being saved. I, I think it's amazing the pajamas like put this together without anyone taking it seriously. And I was shocked that I even understood what was going on this time watching it. But that's gotta be it. That's my hot take. And I feel very confident at this point that that's what's gonna happen eventually. Okay. Um that was uh <laughs> way above my head with uh <laughs> with the prophecy logic, but uh I, I think I'm in. I think I'm in. Okay. <laughs> That so it's it's two entities, two pairs of best friends two instead of two best, best friends. friends. Yeah. Okay, that's that. I mean, I do think it's totally something the show would do is have uh, pajamas casually drop what might be a big reveal oh. later. Yeah, uh, that checks out. Okay, that I mean, yeah, no, I, I think I think eventually we'll get Ramona back and uh, we'll we'll it's, it's an end game type of thing for Summer Camp Island. But um, I just love it because like so much of Susie's um, dislike of Hedgehog and Oscar is that it just so painfully reminds her of her relationship with Ramona so if like the next gen of what they had is essentially what's gonna save everything that just seems like a really nice culmination for maybe like Susie and Oscar to like bury the hatchet too in some ways and I I really want that for them that'd be so awesome yeah that'd be great okay I'm in I'm in you're you're right the show has definitely done parallels with those two before which that seems like something we'd be building up to um okay we'll see uh, i'm sure that'll be immediately addressed in the next episode so but <laughs> no probably not we'll see in a few years or something okay yeah. uh next thing uh we have to talk about uh the major animation release animated movie release wolf walkers um Ooh. from uh cartoon saloon on and is released on apple tv plus uh is where you can find it streaming now and i watched wolf walkers um was it and- I was completely blown away. Oh, dang. By Wolf Walkers. Uh, like, completely, completely blown away. Um, so this is um, the next movie by Tom Moore um, and Cartoon Saloon, who did um, 
who who did two, did two he, he I was listening to an interview with him. He described it as like a trilogy of of movies. Um, uh, it's like an yeah. an Irish mythology trilogy with Secret of the Kells and uh, Song of the Sea. Um, and I watched Kells close to when it came out, but I loved it. But it's been a while. But Song of the Sea I saw more recently. Uh, I gotta Wait. say, Wolfwalkers is a huge step up. Wait, um, really? I love Song of the Sea. I was really yeah. I think you're you're probably higher on that. I've heard you talk about how much you love it before. But, I mean, that's a that's a that's a great movie, and it's beautiful. Oh my goodness, but the Wolf animation Walkers. in Wolf Walkers. Uh, I, I like. I could I could rant, talk about this monologue about this for like an hour, but I'll give the short version. Um, like honestly, <laughs> though, uh, this I've never seen a movie like this outside of Japan look the way Wolf Walkers looks. And even to be more specific, I've never seen a movie outside of Studio Ghibli uh, wow. look like Wolf Walkers. Okay. Um, Wolf Walkers, very much, if you, we, this is the perfect time for you to watch this. We're coming off of our uh, Ghibli rewatch series uh, mm-hmm. where I've just, we've been dissecting. Wolf Walkers very much reminds me of the tale of Princess Kaguya, um, which is one of the most gorgeous movies ever made. And Wolf Walkers, I believe, is specifically trying to do what that movie does um in terms of animation there's visually? multiple anim they're vi- oh, completely visually and i will say okay. the story the characters are great um like very good but visually is like i just that's a stand well, that's that's what i'm talking about like for okay. the rest of I, and i would say i love me as a character she's incredible but uh the visually <laughs> like what we do there's contrasting animation styles at play there's multiple styles um, very Takahata esque. I believe this whole ah, thing okay. is this whole movie is extremely Takahata inspired. Um, there's specific there's specific times when I feel like they said we want to do the one that one standout scene in Princess Kaguya when uh, she's running away from the castle and the, the style completely breaks down into this very incredibly Ew. simplistic black lines. One of the greatest scenes ever. They do they try that multiple times in this movie. Like I, I could not believe what I was seeing. They try this. They they try that sort of thing many times throughout. In addition to contrasting animation styles, um, I don't know. Maybe for like, uh, maybe I'm getting too like animation nerdy with my uh, why I was impressed by this. But just for someone like me who's like such a fan of animation, this is the most remarkable uh, movie outside of Studio Ghibli I've ever seen. Um, visu- like visually, but in general, like I I could not believe how incredible this was. When you, um, no. Dylan, when you said it was Takahata-esque, I initially thought like, oh, that means they really flex. Because when I think of Takahata, I think of him flexing animation as much as he can. Yeah, no, they they flex. They definitely flex. Um, <laughs> I think they integrate it really well. I think it's all really like well integrated into the, it's, you know, if you if you break style, you break down into into more simplistic or a, a different uh, vi- visual elements. I think it, it's all it to, to, to meet the mood of the scene, to meet the tone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I just, I'm gonna need to rewatch this movie several times and completely break down, uh, like everything that it, it's doing. Uh, so, and this, the story, I mean, the story is very, uh, Princess Mononoke-esque. It's, you know, I don't think it's like the complexity of the characters Ew. or anything is as much, but it's, it's, a, you could, you could definitely draw a lot of parallels. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I cannot recommend Wolfwalkers highly enough. It's absolutely going to be my favorite movie of the year. And just, uh, this is everything I think that Western animation never does, uh, is uh, what Wolfwalkers is. And I love it so much. That's a glowing uh, recommendation. Yes. Okay. The, the, I, I definitely yeah. want to watch it. I, I feel bad because like when I watch it, I'm probably going to have to watch it on my laptop the first time. And from what you're saying, this seems like the kind of movie you would preferably see on a larger screen just to take in all the stuff it's working with. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, you want it on the biggest screen you can possibly. Have. But uh, it's I'm sure it would look incredible on the laptop, too. But what is and, and just I, I, yeah, any anything, any way you can watch it is, is good. Um, but uh, yeah, so we could check it out. Maybe if we talk about soul in the, in the next podcast, we can like, talk, talk about, about it more. The, yeah, to, as, as just some of the standout uh, big animation releases of the year. And speaking of which, the next thing is that we get we having a third kind of huge animation release this year in December. Um, which is Earwig and the Witch, which is the yeah. a new Studio Ghibli movie. Speaking of Studio Ghibli, a heavily I thought this Wolfwalkers was heavily inspired by Studio Ghibli. Um, the first Ghibli release uh, in years, and uh, it is mm-hmm. by Goro Miyazaki. Um, <laughs> Woo! Third time, let's go! Let's go! <laughs> third Goro. time's the charm. Yeah. No, just kidding. We love the second yeah, the movie. Definitely. And I thought, you know, and I think um, by most people's standards, the first movie is incredibly promising at the very least. Uh, his first, so like I think, see, getting another Goro movie is uh, is very exciting. Getting another Studio Ghibli movie is obviously like a huge deal. Like, I mean, if if not for just the most gorgeous movie outside of Studio Ghibli I'd ever seen just now, like obviously Earwig <laughs> would be the big story, uh, and also you know potentially one of the best Pixar movies in years too. Very exciting December for animated films. Um, we haven't seen Soul yet, so I don't know if that's true, but, yeah, uh, the, we, that's just what some people are saying, but, uh, yeah, this is, and, and the other big thing with, um, Earwig is it's a, it's going to be a, a 3D CG Easy. movie, yeah. um, for the, and so we saw the trailer, uh, which there, there's a full trailer out if you, if you find it somewhere, kind of a two minute trailer, Michelle, what are you, what are you uh, looking forward to? We, I don't think we have subtitles for it, but like, what's your thoughts on like how this movie looks? I mean, I'm fascinated. I actually really like the all the character designs are so pronounced and it's not I mean, I think a lot of people talk about how Disney and Pixar have a lot of like samey faces. Uh, maybe more so for like female characters than male characters. They tend to have more diversity in character models. But like there's a very specific kind of look to a lot of those characters. It's very recognizable as like a Disney or Pixar branded character. This just looks like I don't know it in in a way like I'm as excited about um, how distinctive the style of the world and characters are as I was with the Captain Underpants animated movie because like <laughs> you're in animation why not make like fun looking like distinct interesting characters like they don't have to all be smooth so I'm really really excited about how everyone looks and it seems like there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of fun with like very specific kind of archetypes. And characters with strong personalities. And honestly, I I haven't read this book. I don't really know what to expect from the story. But I feel like it's going to be so different from what I'm used to seeing. That like I'm really all in just on that premise alone. I I am curious if um, Goro wrote this one or if he's just directing. Um and I like, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm still a little cautious, but my expectations are like pretty high at the same time, just because like, I think maybe the fact that it is like the whole movie is going to be 3D animated, it takes some of the pressure off to be as recognizably like Golden Age Ghibli, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a different medium to an extent where like maybe they can try some new things um, that aren't as like known branded, like interests as they usually do and like maybe that's going to be really freeing for them maybe like making it not t- 2d is going to make them take a lot more risks narratively or visually like who knows but i like that they're i don't want to say like evolving because like 2d animation will always have a place in this world and be relevant and good but i like that they're kind of like trying something new plus like deal it for the life of me like everyone thought for sure ghibli was <laughs> 
done. And, but now they're back. So like anything's yeah, possible. Well, yeah. I mean, they literally closed for several years. They literally so, like, did. They, people moved. Like people on staff. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole spinoff studio where most of their staff yeah. went to. So I don't know who's working on this movie. But uh, the <laughs> Goro and his dad are there. And uh, yeah, according Goro to Wikipedia, he is like, Goro's not credited on the screenplay. But we'll see when the movie comes out. Um, okay. Two women potentially credited in the screenplay here, but Ooh. we will see. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people might be like, oh, Ghibli's giving in to the, the CG. Like, this is like, first of all, I think like, I, I'm one of those people that complains about how a lot of like Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, uh, most major animation releases um, in America look pretty similar, similar. stylistically. Yeah. I think this movie looks very different. Yeah, exactly. I think dis- Despite it being computer generated, I think this is a very distinctive style. Honestly, I'm most reminded of like Coraline, um, like the, Ooh, like a stop motion y yeah. style. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited visually by this. Like it, like I am biased in favor of 2D and hand drawn animations. So I don't think this movie, like personally to me, looks as good as Studio Ghibli stuff, but I am excited by them trying this out, especially in the hands of Goro, who's younger and I think is an extremely promising storyteller who's already put out one of, one of my favorite movies, um, in Poppy Hill. So, uh, and just in general, I mean, any Ghibli release is a huge deal. So yeah. like, uh, very, like very down. excited. That's the takeaway, right? Like any Ghibli release is worth checking out and seeing for yourself. But the fact that yeah. Skoro is just like, it adds to the intrigue for me. Because like, yeah, it's only his third movie and maybe so much changed in his life. Like this could be a whole new Goro for us, Dylan. Like, yeah, it's a, while, it's, a, <laughs> it's a while later. It's yeah. true. Uh, and yeah, there's a behind the scenes video. He's playing with puppets for I some reason. That. That's like the happiest I've seen him in any kind of documental footage in so long. And I'm just glad he has those puppets and he's having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the puppets like actually animated. It's for reference, but maybe no, they I are think part they're just of the fun for the office. They're just fun office puppets. Fun alpha. Okay, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so we'll see. This is this movie's being released on TV in Japan, um, which I believe is because of the coronavirus. Uh, that but, makes sense, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but as, as I don't know when it's exactly being released yet in America, but you know, if it's being released on TV, it will be fan subbed and online pretty quickly. So, you know, we'll be watching it. Uh, but, uh, probably not going to officially talk about the podcast until it's eventually released. I really hope they do not try to release it in theaters in America or at least put it on online pretty soon after. Uh, but we will see what G Kids does. So yes, that's, that's Earwig and the Witch. Very, very excited for that. That's, uh, December 30th in Japan. So only two weeks from now. Uh, okay. Yeah. Michelle, next you had, uh, some thoughts on Carmen Sandiego's third season, I believe came out pretty recently. Yes, it did. Uh, it might've been like, honestly, a couple months, like time runs together. Very different from me, for me now. So like, maybe it hasn't been out that long. It feels like it has for a bit. Um, I feel like Carmen Sandiego isn't a show we've talked about in a hot minute, but especially, um, season two, I feel like so many amazingly interesting narrative things have been happening with like Carmen's backstory and figuring out her parents' situation and her lineage and like enemies becoming friends and just like, so like there was a lot of hype running into season three and I will say some of that momentum has stayed pretty consistent, but the fact that only the first five episodes are out for this season, uh, a lot's left to really dig into. I will say like, 
as a whole, like I feel pretty fine about season three so far, but it doesn't quite have the highest highs of season two. And I'm very curious um, what the direction could be leading up to the second half. And whenever that gets released, I'll have more coherent thoughts on the season as a whole, of course. But I mean, as always, the animation looks gorgeous. The colors are amazing. Like the style is so unique for that show. Um, in a way that like nothing else really is like the way Carmen San Diego looks is just so iconic um, in this version of her. And yeah, so I mean, not not a lot of thoughts right now, but the episodes are very fun and they've introduced some interesting characters. Uh, I have questions about like, Violet, you got to like up your game, yo, like you used to be so scary. And now it just seems like you're in like this, this weird transitional phase. And I expect more from them. But in general, like, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Excited for the second half to drop at, at some point in the future, hopefully next year. Yeah, I see it's five episodes. They did that. Netflix did their Netflixy thing. Their Netflixy the season. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think I think it might be officially looks like it might be season four when they finally release the back half. I don't know. But, you know, we went through this with Voltron and everything. So whatever. Okay. So this um, is like precedented. This isn't. A new oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's newer for me, but okay. I'll I'll mentally. I think just... they st- they tried. They, we thought they stopped doing this. Yeah, but, I uh, thought they. I mean, they did so... it with, with Shira. That one Shira season, they divided it into a little six bit, and but seven. then they stopped because maybe they, stopped, they realized yeah. that was silly. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad you checked in on Carmen Sandiego. I know a lot of people are fans of that show. Um, I'll do quick check in on Ruby volume eight here very quick. Uh, I'm still not crazy about volume eight, but at the <laughs> last four episodes, I thought three of them were legitimately decent. So, uh, that's oh, nice. good. Um, Yay. uh, episode three, I thought was very fun. Um, the most relevant thing for the podcast, uh, flashback a year ago, uh, Maddie Haley and I were ranting about how they end the episodes on these dumb one-liners from this one character, Dr. Watts, and they end this episode on a dumb one-liner. Uh, <laughs> you know what they say, if you can't beat them, make them join you. I cannot believe they did that. Make uh, them? Like, that sounds forceful, Dylan. Yeah, he's a villain, so oh, that's what okay. he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he's loud. Uh, okay. Just really, they they just go back to that uh, more stupid line stand, the Watts line stand up said, okay, that's fun. Uh, th- th- that was fun. That's probably my favorite episode so far is White Rose and Nuts and Dolt stuff. Episode four, um, the most interesting I have to say about this one was there was a scene where uh, there's a gorgeous scene of uh, Ren and Yang arguing. And I, I thought this was the most gorgeous cinematography in a scene ever that I completely do not care at all about. So that's my take on that. Um, but there's apparently a dumb Bumblebee line. I don't remember that. Episode five. This is a very big episode, but and it was good, but I really hated seeing Penny suffer so much uh, right after she just came back. So I didn't. There's a big Penny episode, but just uh, personally hurtful for me. And um, there's cameos for Sun and Ilya. Um, so that was clearly the best thing that's happened this season is Sun and Ilya appeared for one second in the episode. Uh, really love that. And then episode six, uh, the most recent one. We did a very Ruby move in, in the eighth season of the show. We decided to give the most consistent villain in Ruby backstory, finally, uh, randomly. So I'm glad that we had a whole Cinder backstory. I actually thought it was very good. So I'm glad that we got Cinder backstory in there. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it was, I don't know why we did it now. So we'll see about uh, where volume eight goes. I think we have one more episode, and then they're actually taking a few months break for Ruby uh, because of, you know, production delays as every show is going through. So um, I guess if, if I have any thoughts on episode seven, we'll give it next podcast or whatever, maybe. Uh, but yeah, volume eight is, uh, has, has had some, some good, interesting episodes so far. It sounds okay. like a fascinating show. <laughs> 
Yeah, well... <laughs> I, I don't know anything about it. It has a lot of seasons, it sounds like, though. Yeah, no, well, you can listen to the Volume 7 premiere podcast for Yon Michelle's thoughts on watching one episode of Ruby. There, that was <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just that one episode. It's true. That one episode. I remember nothing. I remember I said there are too many men in it, and I hold by that. There's only supposed to... It's only four ladies. It's the main characters. So why is there any... That's what... That's... Yeah. See, yeah. Michelle, we started it, and that's what we thought that's was happening. Thought. And so then they, they add 50 characters, and they don't focus on the main characters. That and that's is so the weird. worst thing. Why Why does anyone keep doing that? That's so upsetting. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your con- condolences about what, being a Ruby watcher. It's, it, it is true. <laughs> it is needed. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's what we've been watching recently. Uh, we have our main topic on Hilda coming up. So let's get into that now. Okay, let's move on to our main topic now, which is uh, Hilda Season 2, and we're now joined by Delaney Stilval. Hello, Delaney. Hey, y'all. Yes, so it's hit time for Hilda. Um, we're talking everything about Season 2, which just dropped on Netflix. As of this recording, it was uh, just just two days ago on Monday. It is 13 episodes, um, the high, kind of highly anticipated second season to Hilda. It's been a minute since the first season of the show. and A very a long, long minute. Yeah. Two whole years. Yeah, over two years. Wow. Um, so long. It's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, one of the highest quality uh, animated shows in terms of production values. So I think that makes sense. Plus, uh, you know, pandemic delays. Plus, maybe they didn't greenlight it right away after, uh, like, right after production of the first season. Um, but uh, here we are. We have we have season two out. And, uh, you know, a lot of people love the show. We uh, talked about season one forever ago. We, we love Hilda. So very excited to get into all of season two. We are going to get into spoilers right away here. Um you know, Hilda not a show with a ton of spoilers, but I would say make sure you've seen the second season if you. There uh, are spoilers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Don't be brave. More than <laughs> don't be brave. Definitely more than don't season test one. Your more luck. spoilers. Yeah, don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't be brave. Is that a more? Well, yeah. Uh, Hilda says be brave. I think. Um, yes. Be an adventure. Yeah. Okay. We so, do have a whole episode about bravery. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So well, well so yeah, we're gonna get into get into it right away. So um spoilers for Hilda season two starting now, all thirteen episodes. Uh let's just start with kind of a thirty second reaction to the season. Don't need to get into specifics. We'll get into the specifics as we go. Uh but just like overall, uh Delaney, how are you feeling about season two of Hilda? I loved it. Uh I watched it with my wife. My wife and I love Hilda. We're all we like whenever when they finally announced a date, like anytime there was news, my wife was like, Oh my god, and would make sure to send it to me if I hadn't seen it already. So we we're very excited to watch. Uh Hilda's just like a comfort show. It's just nice to sit and watch. It's like the art's cute, all the characters are cute, and it's just like it's like putting on a warm blanket. Like I just love watching Aww. Hilda. And that's what it was like. It's so good. Also, I wanted a milkshake so bad the whole time I was watching, which is not a bad thing. It's just like, you know, it's just you want to have good things while you're watching Hilda. Was was it was were there milkshakes in the season or is that just No, uh... no it's it was comfortable like a milkshake. Yeah, okay. I just wanted like I mean, I will say as someone who was not that into drinking veggie broth, they kind of made me <laughs> into veggie broth. Yeah, I, they made me I was so. like I was feeling that vibe. Like I was like, "Oh, I kind of want that sounds pretty good. Everybody's like flipping out about it. I'm like, maybe I want veggie broth. <laughs> like, okay, D- D- Delaney, for like a quick aside, since you brought up, uh, is the Hilda universe vegetarian? Because there's veggie okay. broth and there's some other veggie thing that I was like, it you seems make, like a specific like thing that they're not showing meat eating here. This is you make a good point. I will say they show the trolls eating meat. Yes, yes. Like, yeah. So yeah. that's 
That's something. what was the other veggie item? I'm trying to remember. Maybe uh, everything like, okay, apparently the only thing they ever eat is like, I guess, shepherd's pie, like whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, that's true. Always making that. And in, in England, that's usually has meat in it. Uh, those types. Yes, of pies. but hers doesn't look like it has meat in it. But like, who knows? Like, it, the only thing I can say for certain it has in it is peas. Like, that's Did, the yeah, only they thing. Looked like, I agree. It looked like peas and then other stuff. Okay. Uh, I think it would make sense. Or at the very least, Hilda would definitely be a vegetarian. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I could see her and her mom not eating meat. Yeah. I don't think the show's has touched on that. Maybe there's something from season one. I don't remember. But that stood out to me. It's like why veggie broth? Like that's a pretty specific thing. Um, yeah, I would agree. It's definitely also the fact yeah. that it's like broth at all. Like it's such a weird. It's, I don't it's know, weird that it's broth. Yeah. broth. I don't yeah. know. Definitely weird. The main thing is it's weird that it's broth. But it, at least in America, usually broth has has meat in it. As as I know, right. trying to navigate that and find non meat broth. But yeah, it's oh uh, god, I know. It's, it's like bro, yeah. I just want veggie broth. Like they have it. Apparently, they're the best one. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's the aside. Uh, Michelle, what's your uh, thirty second reactions to Hilda season two? Oh, man. I mean, I started off the season a little stressed out just because of dynamics that are that were changing. And I was not 100% for it initially. But by like the middle and definitely the last handful of episodes, I was just like a sobbing mess for a hot minute. And just like, I don't know. I mean, the first season was such a standout and none of us expected it because it was a brand new show. Um, but the bar had kind of been raised, but for this one, like, I was a little worried, like, oh, like, now that they're not making this, like, they're, they're making new stories not based on graphic novels anymore, is, like, the, the essence gonna be gone? But, like, no, the essence is absolutely still there. And in some ways, I felt like it was even more poignant this time around than the first season, and that's definitely saying something, so I, I really like this season, and it's honestly hard to even pick, like, a best episode. I don't think that's going to be possible for me this time. And I think it was a little easier last time. Interesting. Okay. I have, to, I have I some stand out episodes. One. Yeah, I have two. Okay, so we'll, we'll get there. We'll I, I do have a question. So were you saying, so season one was based off the graphic novel? Yeah, I, okay. I did, I did research. Let me, let me, like let me answer four, this. I think. Yes. This was only based off of one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Michelle's right. So I've not I've not read the graphic novels, but season four, there is four graphic novels that were included in the season. And then there are also original stories. Season two, only the finale is an adaptation of the fifth graphic novel. Everything else is original. Um, so the finale is actually a straight up adaptation from the season. Um, and then, you know, it ends up this season ends on a cliffhanger, which is mirrors the fifth book. And then the sixth, the sixth graphic novel, which is the most recent one, is the follow up to that. So presumably, um, we're gonna have to buy all the graphic novels. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, maybe, but uh, this hasn't been widely publicized. But there, uh, according to some recent press release a few months ago, there is a Hilda movie in production. Oh, yeah, a, a seventy-minute movie. So pres- I assume that will be based off the sixth graphic novel, which will follow up on the uh, the the finale, which had the cliffhanger, which is the. So same we're gonna get the though. movie, not season. Oh, I guess we could still get season three, but it'll be a movie. Right. As as of now, we are getting a movie which is seems pretty likely will be based on the sixth graphic novel. There's okay. no more graphic novels. We don't know about future seasons, though. Yeah. So there, I, I think there could be. I'd love that if there is a fully yeah. original se- so season. So when you say no more graphic novels, do you mean like currently or like they done done? I don't. Uh, I'm not like, sure. You don't currently. Know. Yeah. Okay. I just. I was just curious. I don't. I, yeah. It's, I knew it was a graphic novel, to... but I didn't know anything else. Luke yeah. Pearson's the one who yeah created and, and, the. Yeah. The graphic novels and he yeah. makes the series so you know he yeah so he presumably up to him more, <laughs> he wants to busy. keep going whatever he decides to do yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see but yeah that I, I was figuring that out after the season but yeah it's, it's interesting how most of the season's original stories then they do that adaptation in the finale 
Um, but uh, I think it makes sense if you and we had a double double length finale. Um, this yes. is this is a big drop of episodes. Yeah, like this was thirteen plus the finale was a double length plus one of the episodes was extended too. Like uh, this was yeah uh, the uh, twi- the, the twig, twig episode yeah. The twig yeah. Episode. Mm-hmm. So this this was a lot, and we watched it very quickly. Uh, but <laughs> we, lo- we love Hilda, so it was fun. Yeah, no, I lo- I love this season. I was very very impressed with uh, with the season of Hilda. I think Hilda, like at its best, which is true of season one, and especially true of the season, is like as like enchanting and engrossing as like anything mm-hmm. anything on TV. Um, I thought there are a few episodes of the season which I thought were incredible. Um, big step up from last season. A few episodes. Uh, overall, the season was really good. And then I think the few, a few episodes, uh, like a handful or less, or were a little bit ho hum for me. But I think for the most part, like everything, and they were still fun. But especially uh, for the most part, like everything was like really, really good. Uh, this season, I really connected with at least two in particular. Plus, I love, I love, did love the finale. Um, and I love some of the themes it's going for. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, mm-hmm. one of the highlights for me is there's more serialization this season. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a few, uh, I think pretty clearly defined season long arcs that they're going for here, which the finale specifically, uh, it, like brings to a head to a certain extent. It, it kind of does all of them really. Like, uh, it's really, I think they did a really good job with all the different, uh, arcs. And the thing is, like, we only had 13 episodes, but you have, like, uh, so looking at the outline, we'll talk about them, obviously, but there's, like, four defined arcs that um, Dylan's listed, and they, like, hit on all of them, and then they all play a part in the finale. So I think Hilda did something that a lot of shows struggle with, and, you know, and granted, it can be a little bit different, like, when you have a little bit more, um, like... Trying to, like kind of how Cora was like you have a story within a season and then but except we ended on a cliffhanger so that's not strictly true so I, I think they did a really good job of like tying up loose ends and despite so we ended on a cliffhanger but like we're not really we didn't leave anything like hanging like all of this will carry over but we also like there was satisfaction to what we got you know even if some of the arcs didn't begin until a little bit further we still got really good wrap up like on free to learning magic and you know we even get some really good like even though this that episode was just like one past like the hilda and twig were really paying off on that yeah yeah so i see i initially kind of defined three arcs and michelle has added a fourth arc which i do agree with and so like going over those quickly uh i would say like if you're gonna identify like what's the main plot in quotes of the season and hilda is mostly a non-serialized uh, show mostly just episode one episode at a time containing uh, stories, although a few episodes of season follow up on stories from season one. Um, but I, I would say probably the thing that seems like the main plot of the season is this new villain, Eric Alberg, um, and then him installing bells throughout uh, Trollberg and then the trolls themselves um, kind of all tied together. I feel like as, as do you guys agree what feels to me like kind of the main thing going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would also say that the trolls is quite possibly the longest like narrative that has happened in the show because the trolls are still a very big part of the first season Mm. and i love that they're doubling down on it in a bigger focus like this might be the through line for the show just because they live in trollberg and i just remember like when hill was asking alberg like why did you decide to build a town in the middle of troll country and his response is like well they weren't doing anything with it and i think that really sets the tone for like 
one of the biggest issues here that's like been there for forever is just like trolls and humans and can they learn to like can humans basically learn to just not be terrible to trolls the trolls yeah. are like doing okay by themselves yeah, and I want to get into like the themes surrounding that, the uh, like any sort of metaphors or themes, uh, which I think are very present. But um, and that that's a great point, Michelle. That the the trolls was a big part of, of season one. They referenced the, uh, the 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 troll coming into the city. I plot an episode, I think, several times um, in the season. And she tied the bell on um, the troll's nose in like one or season, like episode one or two of the first yeah, season, yeah, right? Like yeah. all the way back then, bells and trolls. Were troll, trolls, troll is the iconic creature of Hilda. My comparison. Um, I D- Delaney trolls are the Daleks of Hilda. Yes, I would definitely <laughs> agree. That's accurate. I actually see a lot I of. We literally had a straight up Doctor Who episode this season. I've as well. never watched Doctor Who. Know who know. Daleks are. Yeah, I mean that's the iconic creature villain of. Uh, Yet they're also weeping angels. Uh, yeah, I guess turn to in the way that, that they the, the more direct functional comparison. Yeah, I would say like Daleks are the most dangerous creature in yeah. Doctor Who, and, and so I think that's trolls. what trolls are here. Yeah, I actually see a lot of Doctor Who comparisons in the structure of the show. Doctor Who's also like has a little bit of serialization, but is pretty uh, one adventure at a time. Hilda um, and the Doctor are not dissimilar characters. Yeah, whereas uh, in this essay, I will. Yeah, so yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> well, that's that's the next podcast. Okay, that's a yeah. I, I, I'd love, and you know, obviously, both uh, Br- British shows, and um, I mean, the show is produced uh, U.S., Canada, and uh, voiced in in England. Um, but yeah, it's so that that was kind of back to Eric Alberg. Yeah, as the new villain, we'll talk about him. But that was kind of like a def- definite through line through the season. Bells everywhere. Um, a second one, F- Frida learning magic throughout the season. Yeah. It's so good. It's also the fact that Hilda is her familiar is the funniest thing that's ever happened. That's really funny. I was waiting for that to yeah. It's the best thing. So good. It's a great concept. I love to like see what that means. Like (laughs) like, um episode three, uh I'm like, okay. This it was very satisfying. I'm like watching them. Like if I'm writing this episode, Frida's going to turn out to be the one who's yeah, yeah, very satisfying. I feel like that she like like that that's great. Like Frida's such a great character, and giving her this this huge plot line, um, pretty similar to a Hedgehog in Summer Camp Island, which she's going through. I would say um, yeah. of of learning magic kind of sequentially throughout the season. Um, and uh, I, I think it was great. And yeah, it does. Uh, since episode three, it's like most prominently manifest in the finale um and then i think a third one which i think i do think maybe snuck up on you as was referenced is not something right away but um i was pretty blown away by it's this this theme's inclusion in the season was hilda kind of like not telling her mom about what her adventures and what she's doing hilda stop lying to your mom you have a really cool mom and like you need to stop like you're stressing me out you're stressing mom out like why why you do this like the whole time me and tanya were like Stop lying to your mom. She should just tell her mom everything. Her mom's super cool. Like that, That's what the finale is about as well. Mom's pretty cool. Yeah. Like this whole time. I told you. I, I Hilda, I could have told you this in season one that your mom's really cool. And like, come on. Yeah. I just don't. Like, I get it. It's one of it's just it's one of those like conflicts that like you just, you know, when you're 16 and you read the young adult book and you're like, yeah, your parents suck. <laughs> now, as an adult, I'm like, no, listen to your mom, please. Oh, my God. Like, Or it's like just that conflict of not telling the parent. It's just so frustrating. Right it, now, it's, it's like, like, just do it. Yeah. Just do it. And in this case, it's really frustrating because Hilda's mom is so cool. <laughs> like, Hilda, you have yeah. the coolest mom. 
the thing that really, and that's why I said, like, I started the season off with, like, a lot of stress that I didn't want to be happening. It was all right. about them, like, teasing that strain on their relationship. And I think part of the thing that hurts with Hilda and her mom especially is because in season one, they balance their relationship to such a remarkable extent that normally you don't get. Like, their relationship and communication, for the most part, was very refreshing and yeah. very solid. So the fact that it's like there are fractures now is like all the more devastating because they were so on the same page before. And it's not like I feel like in the first season, it was more that, you know, her mom wanted her to acclimate to this new like neighborhood situation right. and school. like have friends who were humans and like, but then she pretty quickly learned to accept that Hilda's Hilda's still going to be involved with like supernatural things. And that's a part of her. And Hilda needs to know that her mom loved her, like, just as much, understanding that she's, like, kind of, like, an odd duck. And this time it's more like, I don't know. It's like Hilda wants to go do things, but she's, like, worried her mom's going to be upset, which, like, I totally get. But it's like, how do you find that balance? Because well, I think it almost plays, like, like, I mean, I get to the finale and it's like, Hilda, why are you yelling at your mom? Shut up. Like. Like, I think it's not that it's not believable. It just almost feels a little... Like, I have no sympathy for Hilda in, like, a lot of this season when she's, like, mad at her mom. And it's just, like... Like, I don't know if it's just a me thing or if it's just they just kind of rushed it a little bit to, like, to form the conflict. Because it's, like, they were really chill. And then I understand, like, not wanting to be grounded, but it was also, like, girl, I would have grounded you, too. Like, (laughs) so I don't know. Like, it's... I, in, I'm not disliking Hilda, but there were several moments this season where I was like, stop yelling at your mom. She's not doing anything. Like, yeah. I think maybe part of it's just like playing to Hilda's character. Cause like she is known to be a bit more brash and to not necessarily yeah. think things. So you're like, that's Frida's strength. That's why Frida makes such a good witch. Um, and Hilda found a lot of like the spell work, like so boring. Like that's not the kind of person she is. And maybe it's just that like, she's like, ah, oh, but if I tell my mom, she'll be worried. And so it's better to just not tell her if she doesn't know it's fine. And she doesn't connect the dots to like, well, I think it's more the lying. Like that's the thing that got me too. was like, it wasn't just not telling her, like she was just straight up lying and then when her mom's like you know i said she came in here and told the truth and i was like you did and tantu's like i'm out of here he's like i'm taking my pie and i'm going tantu has the right idea this entire oh, yeah, so season I forgot about tantu should i add him to the characters list yeah let's add him. okay yeah. we can add tantu. i think tantu has some like good like i this, love their little family this is They're probably so our tantu discussion yeah um, <laughs> he's just like helping her store stuff and just like look how tiny the house well, it's is like now. everyone like comes for dinner it's so sweet and then yeah. hilda's like the problem child and tantu's like can you please cut the pie so i can go please please yeah. i'm not gonna get dinner please yeah i do like how they're presented um no i i think throughout the season i found it yeah a little frustrating that hilda just wouldn't um tell her mom everything because there's no like plot reason why she wouldn't but i also thinking about it, do find it understandable that like hilda does kind of have the secret life um you didn't think about it like this before the season or at least i don't remember thinking about it after season one like she had the secret like fan- fantasy life from her mom but um, yeah. you know, this isn't the type of thing yeah. a kid. I do think realistically, it's not the type of thing a kid would want to tell their their parent. Like they would be like, "Oh, you have to be more careful. You have to be worried." So, um, I I, I think I do think it checks out. Um, but it, it's there's also just no barriers to Hilda sharing everything with her mom, and we we know Joanna's so cool, and that she would like probably take everything well enough. Um, but I do think the season did integrate it really, really well in the time travel episode. I thought that was like really incredibly done, and then in it the finale, so and then in the finale too. So like, as much as like 
when it casually came up, I found it a little bit, um, a little frustrating. Like the, when, when the season wanted to really touch on this, uh, kind of like arc or theme, I think that, uh, it, it was very good. Yeah, there's the moment I think in episode eight when she sees her mom crying in the car and she is mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, this is the impact my decisions are having on my mom. And I don't want that. I think honestly, Hilda just hadn't been realizing <laughs> her impact on her mom in that way. And I think there's another moment in the finale when she's like in the cave with her mom and her mom's like, Hilda, like, I know you don't like listening to me, but I really told you to stay behind this time. She's like, I couldn't help it. Like, I couldn't stand the thought of, like, not knowing where you were. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and, that's how your mom like, feels. Exactly. Bro. But I love that this show didn't, like, make her be like, oh, that must, you know, like, yeah. they didn't, like, handhold you through that. But, like, clearly she's, like, she's figuring it out in her own time. And I like that it's not all at once. It seems a lot more gradual, which... In reality, for a kid Hilda's age, maybe it would be like that. Like a, a handful of moments versus one dawning realization. I still want to shake her, but you're right. <laughs> the, uh, thinking about this, something that's jumping out to me is Hilda's maybe uh, what she's going through this season is opening up her perspective. Uh, maybe another way of looking at it is like learning to be more empathetic because I think like she's not thinking oh, yeah, things through definitely. in terms of what what her mom's going through. She sees her in the car. That's a moment she's like, oh, I'm not considering how uh, yeah. not telling mom's affecting her. I think there's a similar thing in the Twig episode where we see from Twig's perspective, him kind of being left behind. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, and then eventually Hilda's like, oh, I'm not going to take you for granted is kind of the, the lesson of that. So uh, maybe, you know, Hilda is learning to broaden her her perspective into those around her, which to me seems like a very realistic journey for a kid her age to be going. Through. Yeah, definitely. I think and it's not important. being so like focused on her. Yeah. It's important to note though, like Hilda seems exceptionally good at having empathy for the creatures that humans mm. don't normally. It's just yeah. that she has trouble having empathy for like the the immediate people in her life, which I think is an interesting reverse of like what's maybe more normal. Like she has so much more empathy for trolls and dragons and like all these other critters but then it's like oh okay mom yeah i'll stay home just kidding <laughs> sorry to break your heart again and not well it's the- kind of like i mean hilda's always like arguing with the woodmen and being like you're so selfish and it's like hilda what you doing like <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's why at first I didn't, des- I, I think I didn't describe this as necessarily her not being empathetic, because I do think like she cares about her mom. It's just like, I, I feel like it's not natural for her to necessarily consider every single person around her. And when you're younger, I think that's, yeah, uh, exactly. that's, that's not as much of a thing. I do think Hilda in general, very empathetic. Um, but uh, she also is like so much going on for, for a kid. She just, I think just for Hilda, there's just like, no grasp of consequences like none like hilda is like the definition of your frontal lobe is not developed like hilda's like we're gonna go do this and it's like no no, don't don't do that yeah i think that makes sense too yeah i just she i mean then and she, you know that comes with her her arc of coming from the countryside and being more freely roaming around and she's kind of yeah that's in, true more confined in the city now so i think i think that's really interesting yeah hilda hilda i guess getting into her, this kind of the hilda character discussion part, portion to a certain extent now um didn't necessarily jump out at me as like a, a obvious standout like qualities to her arc this season but i think there's a lot of like interesting now, now that we're talking about a lot of interesting subtle uh character work that we did with hilda here. Well, I think there's it. I think what we're exploring with Hilda is interesting, and not necessarily like, kind of what we were talking about, like not recognizing. It's like when she goes to save the dragon; they don't want to be saved. Yeah, so, we love then, it. We get a room on a ship forever. It's great. Yeah, like that kind of thing. I think this like 
not necessarily like knowing what spells. Like, it's kind of like like chaotic good. That's like what Hilda is. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's just it's intense and like it's not necessarily good. It's just like she just do what she wants to, and like it's not bad. Like she has good intentions, but it's also like no, 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 no. This is what we wanted. Uh, I like that chaotic good for Hilda. Uh, <laughs> chaotic good. I think Hilda's probably the most chaotic good. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. Okay. Um, and then we can come back to Hilda too. And then Michelle, you also identified Hilda and Twig's relationship as a, a season long arc. Yeah, because like I know I noticed Twig starting to get left behind mm. um, a handful of episodes leading up to like the penultimate episode, maybe of the season. And like every time it hurt, because Twig just he looks so excited, and then the door just keeps shutting in his face. He just looks so sad, and then we just move on to a Hilda adventure. It's like why aren't you bringing Twig anymore? He's so useful. Also, he's a genius, and he's way smarter than all of you. <laughs> Yeah, which like Twig figures everything out, and they're like, "Thanks, Twig," and it's like, "Y'all are useless." <laughs> at, at first, it's like, "Okay, this is like a TV animal. Like, it's not really smart. It's just like being productive." But you know, turns out uh, Twig is like a magical species and maybe actually very intelligent. Like, I'm pretty sure he's yeah. like a celestial being at this point. Right, like, that's kind of what it's portrayed as. Yeah, they like lived in the sky, like normally. <laughs> like, the what sky. the heck? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, this was one of my, my first notes on the season is, wow, there's so much Twig, like, so much yes. more Twig this season. Uh, several episodes, twig, twig is, like, part of the group as a character. Other episodes, you know, you're kind of seeing the lead up to the Twig is left behind in episode nine. And then you get the full-on Twig, Appa Alone type episode. Um, <laughs> no, I literally, the episode started, and I was like, no, it's Appa Alone. My, also my reaction, <laughs> and then it gets actually good. That's the difference. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, I, I don't want this to the office lost days i was Oppa's like i don't want to relive days, yeah, this Oppa, yeah um Oppa alone. it's half office lost days half its own uh i don't know what i'd compare it to but yeah uh, so no I, I i i'm not here for this and the whole time me and tanya are crying like i was like no I don't run away so devastating you don't uh, expect it God, to when you think he's gone i was like yeah i, yeah. I was like I was making peace with it. And then when he came back, I was like, well, thank God. But like, also yeah, like, I would right? have like, honored your decision you, to be in the no, sky. Like, no peace. I was like, so upset. And then he came back and I was like, thank God. <laughs> like, I was like, no, like when he legit left, I was like, no. <laughs> like, he leaves a, yeah. So that, I mean, this is, this is one of the episodes I'm most eager to talk about, but in general, like a ton of, uh, a ton of Twig. And uh, I was, I was very happy as a big, uh, also Twig with other fan. characters. Like Twig and David are like best friends. Yeah, there's there's a few in the beginning. Twig is is just tagging along in the the dragon episode. Yeah, uh, so I, I was very happy to see it. I have my Twig plush here. It's wonderful. They finally it's made great. it. Um, let's let's talk about that episode. The the deer the deer fox episode nine extended Twig episode. So happy we got a full <laughs> Twig origins. Uh, they, uh, you know, we start off, okay, it's Twig's perspective, Twig's left behind. It's super sad. Very sad. Yeah. We start interspersing flashbacks of, uh, mm-hmm. no, and it turns out non-linear <laughs> flashbacks, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, like the, the, this is probably the most narratively complex episode of Hilda and, uh, it's about Twig. I have perfect. Uh, love it. Um, and it was important yes no seriously though uh i th- i think uh i, I th- th- it's, well, after season one it's like okay twig is the mascot character the twig is a legit uh important no uh, he's an important character and he's apparently a mystical creature yeah uh but yeah, yeah. so they, they 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 tie in these flashbacks of hilda and twig meeting and that entire uh journey that they go on 
Um, and then we, we see the, just the moment in this episode, we, we, we see all of the deer fox, the kind of adult, uh, deer fox in the clearing. Um, that yeah. I was just wowed from that point on in that episode. It looks so majestic. We're so used to Twig just being so like squatty and short. And it's like, whoa, he's going to grow into that. Like, okay. Also, can we talk about even when he was a baby and he had the little horns? Yes, so that was cute. good too. We got yeah, so many. We we have young twig and then there's even baby twig and then yes. we're we're, we're see like what twig's gonna twig. grow up to be. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited. Hilda's gonna if this ride continues. him into battle. It's gonna uh, right? Be- I know, that's what I'm thinking. Like adult Hilda and adult twig are gonna be such a like a duo. Like I can't even imagine. Okay. Uh, this was definitely one of my two standout episodes of the season. The deer. Oh, Fox. same. It was it was this one and um. What's your other one? See if we have the same one. Can you guess? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I would guess it would be mine too, which is episode eight, the the yeah. fifty the fifty yeah. year night. Um, no, it's the witches. The witches, I yeah. Actually, I mean, that's been my top four. I could the witch decide, episode so. three. I did really like the fifty year night. I did. It is really good. I would have predicted. Yeah, you guys love the. I mean, I like that too. That's in my top. You know, that's the, one of the ones I thought was very good. Um, but yeah, to me, well, it's like okay, the season's good. Then we get to episode eight, and I, this is like the perfect episode for me. Shockingly, I love the time travel romance episode, which is oh, it's really well what? done. But really- uh, it's and incredible. then it literally just turns into a Doctor Who episode at the yeah! end. Yeah, and got that worm and like yeah, the it's literally Doctor. I was like, this is literally that episode of Frozen. Yeah, it's so much. Thing. I love that episode so much, and then episode nine that is completely blown away by. So I, I mean, the season was good already, but the two back to back, just the the two episodes, I, I completely yeah. like. Well, so we're talking about nonlinear storytelling. I mean, we talk about fifty year night. Like, I'm still not over like when it opens. And Alfred's like, oh, God, because <laughs> like, you see them running down the street yeah. and like 15 yeah. minutes later, like it's ridiculous. That episode's ridiculous. OK, we're going to talk more. OK, we're talking about that episode now. Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's so tragic, uh, which I think is a perfect. You know what's happening the whole time. And yeah. you're like, no, no. And then it's just like and then I like, OK, like in the back of my head, like I was like, is it Tildy? Like. And then you thought it was Tildy. I had no idea it was Tildy. How would you assume that, Delaney? How? Because she's so short. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, it's true. Because in the flashback, she's still really short. And that's the only thing. I was like, is it like I was like, this has to be important. And then, like, no, that was the thing though, is that was just an errant thought I had. Yeah. And then I was still super It's impressive. It's impressive. I didn't, yeah, I did not know. I mean, Tildy had just really been in episode three. Um, Yeah. Okay, Tildy is like so great. Like, me. Such a great character. I love that she just appears just to yell at the council. So good. Yeah, yeah she's good. like so done with like she. I also, also she literally like, could have returned that book whenever she wanted to. Yeah, there's uh, that, that, that super powerful old person not caring about yeah and just the, the rules and they're the stupid. Rules, yeah. So good. Um, no, yeah, fifty fifty year night. I mean, uh, it's 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 just such a good executed time travel episode. We had uh, we lampshaded the the time travel stuff with Alfred just trying to figure out the time travel rules <laughs> the entire episode. I think that's amazing. I, I like at the end he was like, I don't even know how I would tell your mom that you left. Exactly. I love the time worm, um, the concept and, of the time worm as an action-y. Uh, one, also, not, the time worm is terrifying. 
It is. Yeah. It is. It's because like there's so many ways you've seen like consequences of time travel. Having a literal monster is very effective. More people should do that. The only other example I can think of is like the Langoliers from Stephen King that just eat well, dead time. An episode. It's great. That's, that's basically what happens in Doctor Who. Is the... yeah. Which Doctor Who episode are we comparing this to? God, it's the. I don't remember what it, it's the wedding. It's when Rose rescues. She wants to meet her dad. And there's also like uh, the the Rhino Police now in modern. There's the Rhino episode. Police. Are they yeah. in time travel? So, okay. Anyway, oh god, there's so many. And then Doctor there's like Jack Harkness and the, the those time police. And then, but no, I'm thinking of the one where it's it's the wedding and like Rose goes to meet her dad, and then they're like gargoyles and they start murdering everyone. Uh, uh not remembering. It's okay. literally like I'm pretty sure it's in season one. So like, okay. yeah, there's literally but no. That sounds right. That sounds right. Murder's gargoyle sounds right. Uh, yeah. uh Eric Alberg is like an evil Jack Harkness. How about that? Yes. Okay. God, I hate him so much. It's we're talking, okay, we're coming back to him. Let me finish talking about Fifty Year Night. We'll get to Eric yeah. Alberg. Uh, so, not, not even like super, uh, like highly utilized. Like not even like a big part of the episode, but just a, like a smaller, amazing part. Is we have like edgy time travel Hilda. Who's wearing yeah. Oh, I know. Red. And then she dies. And then she Pony dies. Oh. Amazing. Uh, it's just like Albor at the end. in like, the time travel episode with his little his little time dial. You always need a hardened like, version of the character. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then like Alfred is at the end. It's like we watched ourselves die. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Then just the way this episode presents the mystery with the magazines and, and answers it with with how it was Tildy the whole time and ties it to the rest of the season. And then well, the the biggest thing is just the gorgeous tragic romance that's presented yes. with Hild, with um, Mr. Ostenfeld and, and Tildy, uh, which I, I was so into it. And then they have to be oh, my favorites when she goes to Tildy's and Tildy's like, yeah, so apparently I got married 50 years ago. And, like, and she's like, do you have anything to do with this? Yeah, and 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 in the midst of all this, you, you we talked about with the the scene with Hilda and her mom in the car, which is like uh, brilliantly, I think, like tied into the mechanics of the episode. And then at the end, they get they have a moment. Um, so and she apologizes, like, and it also ties into the plot of what's going on in the 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 larger season. In addition yeah. to containing Tildy, a character also in the season, in addition to just being an incredible self contained episode. Um, yeah, I, I really Plus love it, this one. and it ties into all the magic. Yes, true. Yeah. It ties in all the magic and also like, you know, this the door is still open. Like one tragic romance has definitely been eaten by a worm, but the other can still happen because now they know, or at least yeah. Tilly knows who he is, and she could rekindle that whenever she wants. Yeah, they should yeah, they could get together in the present. Also, too, apparently yeah. Tilly just lives around the corner after they went through that giant magic maze. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't That's yeah, I don't understand where she lives. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get I don't get it. <laughs> Well, now that she, now that they know and she thinks they're cool, they can come over whenever I guess. Let's like, I love the real door instead of the sneaky okay. back door. This is not an important question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So I had this thought during um, the Jorts episode. Um, so like they're like, "Whoa, there's an address on the back of the bag," and I'm like, "How big is Trollbert?" Because like in my mind, I'm like, "It can't be like you can find the skyscraper, guys. It's not like how many skyscrapers are there in Trollbert." Yeah, no, I was, I was like, why is there a downtown part of Trollberg with giants? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm also like, y'all literally live around the, sh- the street from all other main characters. So I'm just a little confused <laughs> about why you have to go downtown. 
to yeah. the jorts. No, it's it's. I think it's a TV city that meets the needs of what's yeah. happening. Um, well, my yeah. wife was like, she goes, I think Trollberg is like New York. And I was like, that's really big, but okay. There's, I mean, they also have their own like local news channels and stuff. That's it's true. like that would indicate a big city. However, that's it true. also seems not that big in other other aspects. It also runs on magic, so I don't know. Um. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's a. Uh, bigger bigger on the the inside situation Who knows? maybe I that's no happening idea. at Who some knows? point um okay so we're um we'll, let's come back to other standout episodes uh in a second and let's let's go back to uh, eric Alberg, who um, <laughs> if we must as soon as they introduce him no i see him like in the like in the intro and i'm like he's gonna suck and then i was like yep he sucks like then he opens his mouth and you hear that just devious voice and you're like oh no well at first you think it's okay and then he's just so openly like i'm gonna cause problems on purpose so i can be famous and hilda yeah. can't do anything about it Ugh. yeah uh so i yeah i was i anticipated you guys wouldn't be crazy about uh eric Alberg. i mean, you mean but, we're uh, not gonna be really excited about the this like like sleazy dude yeah i am because he is uh he (laughs) He literally like posed as the statue of the guy who murdered trolls i mean like that was well that's his that's his ancestor one yeah he's also like uh yeah yeah, he's like a legacy uh the uh, type of rich person too um no he i love uh charismatic uh whether they be villains or just mean characters no I hate you, Dylan. No, yeah. he's not a mean yeah. girl. He's, he's, he's a I mean, yeah, he's, 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 he's yeah. not a straight he, mean girl because he's, he's an actual he villain. Good. He's not he's as good as Zhao. No, of course all. he's not as good as Zhao. But yeah, it's a similar type <laughs> I thing. I would, I would say he's he's more of a Gaston, like uh, like he's Gaston. That's true. Which and I love love Gaston, love villains like this. So I, I was I was I was feeling Eric Albert. I don't think the season does anything like super and incredible that would make me like no he's just think literally this is an so amazing annoying. character that's the only reason he exists i think he more represents some things which is the thing i want to talk about but in general i, I thought he was really fun especially in the, beginning of the season. is like so much better yeah and then there's of course the nicer one too um Gerda? but she like, really goes on a journey like you really start yes! to see her really irritated and she actually cares about the kids so like gerd is great she just needed her eyes to be opened and to not listen to albert anymore and literally no one cares that Alberg is a fly. It's I don't care yeah. he might accidentally be crushed in that jar. And I was going to be so excited if he died. I will say, <laughs> oh, I will oh, say, dear. I was concerned for him the whole time. I was like, are there holes in there? Can he breathe? I right, so they I didn't put holes in the top. I there thought were the same no thing. Holes at all? Sad. Like, there were no holes. I was like, is he going to die in there? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're we're talking about these these kind of main arcs of the season. I, I will say the finale, while it touches on all of these things, and even the Hilda Twig, there's like a heroic Twig moment. Um, so like I do think all of these things are very purposefully touched upon by the finale. And by the way, if they this start if this is the adaptation, they maybe like they reverse engineer the season from that fifth yeah, book, that which is really sense. which is interesting. Um, but uh, I don't think the finale ties a, a a bow on anything here. I think all of this is just like touched upon in a significant way, but not resolved. Uh, do basically, you mean, do you mean all of them, or do you every? Mean- I think every single one of these arcs is not really like fully resolved, and your mileage may vary on how satisfying that is. I think for the most part, all of them are pretty satisfyingly touched upon at the end. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel. Like based on the comments I made earlier, is that it's um like obviously like a lot of these like we're gonna keep going. Freda's gonna keep learning magic. The trolls haven't attacked yet, and mm. you know. Not, Eric Goldberg have- is it's he's in the same position of authority. He's still potentially right. installing bells. Right. Right. Um, he has less allies. There's still tension between Hilda still has not told her mom everything. Right. Um, and there is still and there granted that we did have that moment where it kind of seems like 
Gerda's like, bye. Yeah, no, she's, she, I think she's done with him at this point. She like gets that he's a liar and she's like, no, that's not what happened. And I'm done with you. I think, I think, I think, he, yeah, I think that he's been legitimately delegitimized. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's, been, he's been delegitimized to Gerda, but they're still in, like, nothing's changed in the actual, like, yeah. they're still working for the safety patrol. But yeah, it seems like right. she's not like under his uh, spell or authority pr- uh, realistically anymore. Um, but you know, he's still like in this head, uh, head, yeah. uh, position. Um, so I want, I, I, he'll probably be the villain of the movie. I don't know. Um, I think that makes sense because, you know, considering if the movie's about, um, and you know, I could just read the graphic novel and have this answer, but I won't, I, I don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> uh, the, the, it's, it, Hilda and the, the troll kids swap, uh, Freaky Friday places, right? So they, uh, it's okay, going to be so about like, trolls. Oh, that's upsetting though. Like, okay, okay, okay. Question. So we were thinking, is it, is it, was it like the magic with like the rock people that they, like the kid made the rock people, like what's going on? Like I'm. Yeah, it, also, I guess like the, tro- so the tro- I don't know, but the trolls have magic. We knew that yes. that troll that was communicating with them has magic. So that could come into play. Um, but yeah, th- th- to conclude that point though, like the, the, the so the trolls are going to be a main theme and uh, Eric Alberg is the antagonist to the trolls. Um, so I think that makes sense if he's part of the movie. Also, yeah. so the, the big thing with Alberg, I saw a lot of like. Um, commentary that this show is making this season, which I really liked, like, um, quote unquote political commentary. Um, I saw like potential metaphors. This is very loose, but to immigration, to colonization is another one you could, you could see it as. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Um, in general, definitely we're talking about Eric Alberg being like a fear mongering type yes. of politician. Um, yeah, and well, I think, because I think that's the biggest one is that like, you know, just the lying about the trolls, like the mm-hmm. trolls aren't doing anything. And also we know, and I think this he, was hinted at is that like, he was doing things on per, he knows it irritates the trolls and like the bells. And then on top of that, I think there was some hinting, like when they're in the um, blimp, like we knew there would be trolls, but he didn't expect so many. So it's like, I wonder if they've done something else that we don't know about to lure the trolls. Yes, I think um, there's some ambiguities to how much Eric Alberg is like in control of what's going on or yes. like understands what like it's maybe he genuinely believes trolls are really dangerous and he's lying, but he's lying in service of something he thinks well, is like just and noble. Or is he like devious, selfish? There's some other thing going on. I think that's a little bit unclear. Well, some I think of the it's stuff both. He said, yeah, I do think it's both because some of what he said is, you know, he made comments to Hilda like, you know, it's so hard to get famous these days. Like used to, you could go out exactly. and fight a troll, and now he's like making the trolls come. So yeah. I think I, I think that's a big part is that he's very much he wants to like save the day. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's probably the biggest thing is he just wants to be a hero to to the, the to the city. Um, so this is he's slotting into a role, and I also think that feels very current. Yeah, like uh, I mean, it does look at you know look at you know our president do a lot of politicians so like slotting into this like growing like uh type of othering and that's the other thing i want to talk about of of groups of people and like using yes. that to your own gains and to hit to him it's like a vanity thing probably where he wants to be who wants to be uh like famous and loved but uh yeah it seems like he's taking on this issue um because uh, it's something that he's 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 seeding into the minds of the city and is, is speaking to people's fears Exactly. He's speaking to the fears they already have. Like, that was my interpretation of his character. He's like, he's in it for his own selfish gain. He doesn't like, he wouldn't twist the truth to always benefit himself if he really genuinely cared about safety. It really is just his ego and narcissism yeah, well, it's as like his always, end goal. 
but also it's walks. like he he understands <laughs> yeah. the 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 implication of being in Trollberg and the tainted history of Trollberg between humans and trolls. And he's just using that to his advantage. He's taking, like you said, Dylan, like the seeds of real prejudice and, and fear that are there that are probably relatively mild for the average Trollberg citizen and just amplifying it to this extreme degree to further his very personal agenda. And it is very timely and it's still very diabolical. Yeah, I completely agree with the way you described it. Um, it's not like Eric Alberg did not create prejudice against the trolls. No, and it's probably a result of the origins of the city and the city's co- mm-hmm. colonist history, um, yeah. which is, I think the show is aware of, but he is, you know, amplifying it and exacerbating it to a, uh, extent with, for, for his, his own selfish gains. And, um, all, yeah, just everything we're talking about feels, feels very current. Just fueling and, the fire, like just fueling the, yeah. And yeah. I, I was and how charismatic the- he is, like what a good mm-hmm. talker he is, how he like the trolls aren't really a problem, but he's going to make them a problem. And even though all of this is current, you know, obviously this has also happened throughout history. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, and I, I, I was really impressed by this aspect of the season. I think this, this added a layer of, um, kind of complexity and, uh, just, just general weight to the proceedings of Hilda. Um, like it was still mostly, Hilda's still mostly comfy and fun. Um, but there's, uh, it, it always feels good to have a, a, a hefty backing to what is happening. <laughs> well, we Whether... also have them like, we're actually having Hilda and her mom and the main characters actually like, so before it was just don't hurt the trolls just because they're trolls. Like you shouldn't like, it irritates them. It hurts them. Like Hilda noticed that don't do that. But now we're also getting more into be trolls are sentient beings and yes, more in about next yeah. yeah so that's what i'm really excited about more is like we've gotten to actually interact with like before it was like we should like look don't bother the trolls they won't bother us but now it's like humans and trolls can probably live together and it'd be awesome and they're not so different than us so i think that's a really like that's the really interesting place that we're going and that we're showing with the main characters you know with sitting down and having a meal it uh, makes I, me excited in the way that, like, seasons two and three of Star, the whole yeah. Newman monster conversation was very much about that. Um, and I'm very excited for the direction this show seems to be taking that, especially just, like, how much time they spent on the finale in particular, just, like, literally living in a, a, a troll community and, like, sharing their food and, and taking their blankets and just, like, acknowledging, them, like, oh, yeah, this is a parent of a child. Just, like... And we don't have to parent. spend all of our time convincing other characters. Like, yeah. what I really like... So another thing I think the season did really well is, like, I thought it was so funny. Like, you would, like, two characters would go do something. Like, oh, crap, we got to catch David up. Oh, well, Hilda wasn't <laughs> here. We need to catch Hilda up on what happened. Yeah. So I thought, like, like when David goes to the witches' council, that was hilarious. And then when he's like, you're a witch? And, like, his crush on Kaiza, I mean, same. Relatable. But, like, <laughs> so sweet. But that's the other thing, too, is, like, while Hilda and her mom are in the mountain, we also have Gerda and David and Frida. They camp with the troll. So I think, mm-hmm. like, that to me is, like, it's smart storytelling. And it act- really, it adds a lot more weight to it. Like, you know... Duh, Hilda's going to befriend the troll kid. But this, I think it's a lot, like, I really appreciate, like, also having Frida and David. And, like, it just makes it more cohesive. And it's also, we're not going to have to go through this thing, like, you know, six episodes from now where Hilda has to try and convince her friends. Everyone else, yeah. We're all on the same page. 
Yeah, so the, the, this is what excites me about the cliffhanger, even though it's like, oh, what's going? This is weird. What's going on here with the Super and, the, weird. and potentially like, distressing? And uh, it's for the most part, it's like just really exciting to me because it shows that this is uh, the show is now very interested in the humanizing of trolls, right. which is I totally agree is what the finale was completely about. There's two separate journeys. Yeah. Those characters were split into two. Each had their own interactions with a troll which painted them in a much more human light and it was erasing the othering of trolls which i think is what um what the villain of the season is largely uh doing um and a big theme of the season uh is you know the the eric uh contributing to this othering of trolls the you know painting this uh, this other group of you know whether it be humans or creatures in this case as um different from us shouldn't be uh interacting with us they're dangerous um well there's there's another layer to that too because not only is there Alberg trying to ruin their lives with the bells constantly but there's that like two-headed troll that's also like the troll alpha who seems to be the one he's the one who's like picking fights with everyone because there were so many times we'd see them like frozen in like a fight which kind of you know initially it's like oh no they must be savages who just can't help but fight each other come to find out it's just that one jerk who's just stealing everyone's food and keeping it in his troll tower and so other, I, I um, love that they have trolls, that distinction too. The other trolls fought him to save. Yeah, Ola when they saw when they saw them in trouble, they like stuck up for humans. And I was like, dang, that's like a lot though. <laughs> they yeah. took your town and your help. Like that is amazing. I think I think it's unclear uh, what is go- truly going on with the trolls. Is this troll like is he a bad actor? Is he like just you know someone who just like that you know doesn't like humans, considering how terribly they're treating them? What is and- his vendetta? Are we going to find he out why he's so he was, mad? He was teasing them in particular because they lost all his food. Yeah, they opened it's the pers- trap door just a personal just thing, yeah, with the yeah. story. And and the biggest mystery I think is like what's going on with the troll, the troll, then the, the child troll that helped them out. Um, like, what is this special connection with magic. these trolls? Um, that that troll is definitely doing magic. Yeah, do, do all do, do all trolls all do trolls that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or is it just that one troll? You know, I think if a question that comes up is: Is there some connection between humans and trolls? Are trolls, you know, were they former humans? Is there a human aspect to this troll in particular? All trolls, like, I think all these things are kind of in play in terms of the direction they're going. Um, and that's really exciting and interesting. And the show is committed to continuing that storyline. But yeah, this general um, increasing theme of uh, humanizing and uh, undoing the othering of the trolls is uh, a wonderful theme that plays into the empathy and kindness that Hilda as a show exhibits and um, is something that completely needs to be taken considering, you know, what they get into with the, the city's kind of colonist uh origins and um in general just when you make a show about these like kind of mythical beings interacting with humans and the influence of humans on uh this like naturally like kind of magic creature community um i totally agree and love the direction uh of this for hilda um and And it it makes makes me really excited for the movie yeah and for me it's like we never got quite got there with star and yeah and so i would really like i would really like us and it feels like like this would, you know, this has been a push, you know, from the very, this is very much like the kind of the um, focal point of the show is this, you know, this, you know, they live in Trollberg and this con, like, they've all, like, you know, we've always. Yeah, been that's what I was saying earlier. It's like the, the biggest narrative through line they've had since the beginning. 
So it must be the thing that's going to carry through as many seasons as they make. Like that only makes sense somehow, especially right. with them double downing on it this with second Auburn season. And, yeah, yeah with like with the main guy whose purpose yeah. is to like get rid of trolls. Right. And we're building up to like we've made all the trolls mad. We've seen all the bonfires. They're coming. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's, it's all building up, and also as we talked about this arc of um, Hilda increasing her perspective slash empathy on to, to other perspectives in in her life. I think it also is a perfect tie into that as her considering the trolls' perspective. And now life. she has to be a troll kid. And so. now she has to be. It's a forced a forced empathy as she has to live as a troll. Yeah, <laughs> forced um, empathy. Oh my god, that's true. That is what it is. I, I, I think, will I think say it, at first I was like, oh god, she's naked, but then it got worse. <laughs> We'll, we'll have to see how this plays it's out. It's disturbing, yeah. but I mean, it's fine. But also, I'm like, ooh. I I think my I would I hope that it's not just that one troll that is different, um, right? But also, I think that troll has been presented as different. So there needs to be some payoff there. But also, uh, hopefully, it is larger conclusions about trolls in general and um and the humans' relationships to trolls. That, also, that, is that this is the same troll we've been seeing the whole time? Like, I'm assuming this is the same kid and like. At first, we're like, oh, it's just a troll and it's kid. But we've literally seen this troll, like, the whole season. Mm, interesting. We've definitely, we've definitely seen a troll like this even season one because there was that troll that came to get its rock baby back. Maybe that baby has grown slightly. Maybe. Still be the yeah, same We troll. need a long Tumblr post investigating the, yep, the very thing long. the same throughout the, throughout the season. Okay, I'll look That's that. what the internet's for. That, that is, is what, what the internet's for, yeah. The internet's for someone else who did it, so we don't have to do it. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's do some quicker hits to close things out through the rest of these topics. I think we've hit on the hefty stuff. Already. We haven't talked um, about the witches enough and how hot Kaisa is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's okay. Let's talk about the librarian and the episode the witches. I think that's that's going to be a fan favorite, of course. Um, and she, and she's she's you know that was that was a favorite kind of like very minor character in season one, and she is expanded yeah. upon. We learn her name, Kaisa. Although I think people are probably still going to call her the librarian. Um, and uh, she is. She's a, she's a significant role in the Jorts incident as well. Um, <laughs> the episode is uh, so like this is gonna be one of those like obviously the Jorts episode isn't like the best thing ever, but like I think it's gonna be one of those like the one of the most memorable episodes of Hilda because it yeah. is a great oh, episode. God. It's really funny. Yeah, let's briefly talk about Jorts. That that's our sequel to the Tide Ma- the Tide Mouse <laughs> yeah. episode, okay, which, which is Tanya, arguably yeah. one of the best episodes. Of I had to one, look. So. so we knew the Tide Mice were Tide Mice were important, but we were like, I don't remember like what they're for. And obviously, you could like extrapolate what was going on, but we were like, we need to look this up. So we paused it. and I had to Google. I was like, what are the Tide Mice? What do they do? Because <laughs> I couldn't remember. Like this is one of those I probably should have rewatched, but like I don't got time for that. Okay. And so I was like, all oh, right, they it's for good luck. And oh man, that was. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought? Like, I didn't I remember think... that they was left unresolved at the end, which is an important. Yeah, part, but, there's like yeah. they they dispose of all but two, and they hide in Hilda's hair and go back home with her, and then they make yeah. that mouse nest and get babies. Yep. So we finally see it. Um, a, a, a very memorable introduction with this random guy getting promoted everywhere. Um, oh, good! It was so funny. Then <laughs> we turn the episode turns into a big Ghostbusters reference, which is um, great, which we're yes. always about. And Kaiza was like, "I'm having so much fun," and she was like, "David, you're doing great," and David's like, "I'm." in love with you like yeah you, like i don't get out much this is fun for me i'm like yeah, girl so relatable 2020 mood so i think i think david was just like it was just a attractive older in person. awe I think he, oh, yeah, yeah i think no, it was, it was just, absolutely yeah. like just this older like it's david like also think, yeah. poor poor sweet david this season he has been through so much <laughs> we'll talk about david in a second yeah but this was a big episode for him. um and then the, the the end you get a uh, mouse whisk, whiskers hilda um amazing which... like also great great punishment 
Is she going to be like we'd... pulling those out every day? Is that the implication? She like shaves them off? Clearly they're not it's there only, anymore it's after. It's only for the end of the day. Oh, yeah. end of the day. Uh, I thought it was going to be forever. I'm like, wow. No, no it's literally just for the day. Like they're literally like just for the day. So it's just. Yeah, that's just like, cool then. That's exactly. Wild. And it's really funny because like they can't every time we're gonna like so they fix the void and they're like, now we're gonna throw you in the juvenile void. <laughs> like just so annoying. <laughs> the void. Um did we do we just did the mouse whiskers thing because it's cute? Like that's the reason visually. I'm I guess the I mean there's no really other I mean everything with the witches is kinda oh. random though. Yeah, I did also random. really like when they follow like oh my god, they go through like twenty five secret rooms. To get to yeah, the witches. The library within the library within and the library. And then they make like this offhanded comment like Frida's like, oh, we would have lost David like five secret five reasons, <laughs> Which I thought was Rip. so funny. <laughs> yeah, what what else do you guys love about the episode The Witch? It's like, it's one of those, I mean, it does give me vibes like you were saying, Dylan, similar to like Hedgehog. Just like when you have a character who's not quite the main character, but she ends up being like really good at something like magic. It's like the combination of like them having this amazing destiny, them having all these relationships with like older women who are like taking them into this like society that's going to help them grow more powerful. Like that kind of communal bond, I think is really exciting. And then it was kind of like you you assumed, I guess, maybe they held it because she's just the main character. But then they're like, oh, Frida. And she's like, oh, what? But like she was the yeah. one who was guessing how to get through mm-hmm. all the maze stuff. Oh, that was great, too. Her. She's just such a genius. And you're just yeah, going through all so the rooms. And, and even Kai's like, is like, geez. Yeah, she's like such a nerd for that stuff. It makes so much sense that it would be her. And like Frida was like one of my favorite things about the first season. So she's like, yes, more for Frida. Yes. She, she can open doors with her hands with magic now. Like she can talk to creatures with her mind powers. Oh, I like, like that. Like amazing. That all like, good. This is going to be so beneficial to the team. It's such a good addition to her character. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think Frida was a, she didn't I think she didn't have a lot as much to do in season one. And she was like a, still a standout character. So giving her this major plot, I think, was really satisfying. Yeah. And, yeah. And learning with Tilly, who was like arguably one of the best characters ever. Tilly. She's like, she <laughs> like does what she wants. And like, I'll even say in the in the 50 year night, like. She was going after that neighbor guy. She really wanted to dance with him. She, I was just yeah. like, girl, like I love this energy. You're really cute. Like you just go for what you want. Like, I yes, and it looks like she's that's been her strategy her whole life. I and want like she's, background like, dates where Tildy yeah. just slowly That'd in the background, nice, yeah. like it's gonna be so good. Also, yeah. I just love Tildy. Just shows up every time they're talking to the witches until he's like, y'all are being ridiculous. Like every time, yeah. so good. Yeah. Which again is kind of like Ramona in Summer Camp Island because sometimes she drops in and is like, "You guys are being stupid. Here's what you're gonna do," and everyone just listens to her because she's the alpha. Tildy's the Ramona. I like that. Um, yeah. Well, other any uh, other episodes that were your guys' favorites? I really like number four, and I'll just say that as someone who was like kind of low on David the first season, it's not his fault. He's just, you know, he's not as like <laughs> bullheaded as Hilda or as smart as Frida. But this episode really made me warm up to him, and honestly, I love that he likes Slight Rock, and I love that he's he so cute. He's so cute. I know, and like when he starts singing in the battlefield to the Light Rock, I was like, this is so cinematic and like wonderful. I can't believe he'll like. Also, they just killed him. They straight up killed can't David. He gets this, yeah. And he was like, and then she put his head on backwards by accident. Oh, that I wasn't. Okay, that was just a horrible gag. I was like, oh my god. Like <laughs> Warriors was like a pretty amazing surprise episode. I love. Well, I didn't think they so- were actually going to kill each other. I thought it was going to be like laser tag, and I was like, oh no, they just cut his arm off. Like 
I wasn't ready we for that. Every, uh, all, yeah, every uh, night, forever. I, I was I was shocked by the violence of this episode. <laughs> Me uh, too. I wasn't like I was. I thought I really thought I was going to be like laser tag or whatever because you know their weapons just glow. Behead and then I was like, David. Oh, like I know it wasn't bloody, but he got yeah. beheaded. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh my god, and they're like. Me, the whole time, me and my wife were like, "How many times are we going to traumatize these children?" And then, like, we traumatize get... me watching. That was um, insane. <laughs> I was like, "You just—I don't know how old he is, but he's like ten, and you just beheaded him." I I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. I, <laughs> I didn't they, expect this from Hilda. No, I didn't either. And then when they're like, you know, he doesn't remember, and they're like, "Yeah, I think David's died enough tonight." And David's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't remember, honestly. Speaking of trauma, the windmill was traumatic. Oh, yes. no. That was an intense episode. I, th- I thought that was one twice. of the standout ones, still. Um, I, lo- I, th- I mean, honestly, the, the, I, th- I thought the two best episodes of season one were the Tide Mice and the Weather episode, and we had a sequel to both of them, so I was very happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> the problem this season, I was like, you're important. I don't remember why. And they're like, the weather station. I was like, oh, yeah, right, you're crazy. Motherly. I love her as a character because I just like she's so unhinged and it's just so memorable. But also, like I would never want to be around her. Like, uh, the Frankenstein ness messed me up. I was like, <laughs> we gotta stop. Like, and she used him with dark magic. Like, are we gonna have a subplot? Frida, like, she maybe no. wants to learn dark magic now because there's like established mm. different kinds of magic. Nah, like, dark dark Frida arc. Oh no, you Michelle, yeah, you put in the universe. Now we want a dark Frida arc. Oh, shut oh, up. No. I don't want dark Frida. I don't Frida's want it. Eventually, one of these dark arcs will happen. It'll it'll be great. Uh, Dylan, how many every time you're like dark arc? It doesn't happen. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's because we watch kids shows. That's the problem. <laughs> you were really close to getting Dark Star, though. That one's probably the one. That we basically, like, we kind of did that. Yeah, we it was kind of we got Dark Star. No, but episode four and five were two very intense episodes they towards were. the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, y'all, can we stop like traumatizing one the children and then me? Like I was like, bro, I don't. Yeah. Ooh. I thought yeah it was it uh, the windmill went for it um I was I was impressed by that um so yeah and uh, uh, any other uh, episodes you guys want to mention I mean, will say is great the the captain of the dragon ship from episode two Abigail I was like so into Abigail I knew it <laughs> like, I was about to say Michelle was gay for the dragon and I was right uh, Abigail's amazing. I knew like she I just said the dragon. Energy. I was like, Michelle had the hots for the dragon. I got yes, like her her barnacly coat and her hair seaweed. It's just like so, she's such a great captain. I just love her. How many times is this show gonna make me cry? Like legitimately, like every other episode, they're like, "You want to cry? Here you go. You want some tears? Here you go. We're gonna kill David." And then the pirates are going the reunion with their family. Yeah, yeah. with all their family. Oh, I want to talk about, I think everything they did with Alfor this season, I love Alfor. Like, he's so great. Like, what a great, like, one great character. And then I I, th- I thought it was a funny follow-up. One, we kept seeing the Lost Clan. Like, they were literally in every episode. Yeah. And then they were like, okay, we're going to, so one, when the replacement happened, me and Tanya were like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I think Alfor <laughs> might be our collective favorite character. We were like, absolutely not. And... And like I, I do think it's really funny. They were like, uh, "This sounds made up," and it's like, "No, this is this is what happens. <laughs> like this, this happens every day." Yeah, I uh, feel like I, 
that Gerda and like, he's got a boo thing. He's got he has like a girlfriend now. Like there's a fan oh, girl. Oh god, yeah. we don't. I don't think he needs a love interest so soon. Oh, I, I do like that Gerda started vibing with him hardcore. Like that was such a pleasant. Oh surprise. my god, that was so they bonded funny. over paperwork and proper protocols. And so I'm like, oh my god, this is perfect for them. Like, oh, I'm the spirit, and everyone's watching him. Like, you were so stupid. What are you saying? And then he's like, she's so into it. I love that the whole sequence is so good. Also, Gerda is just so. There's like Gerda, and so there's like Gerda, and then there's Greta and Kipo. Yeah, no, they're the they're the same. They're the same character, but Gerda is just like so much better. Gerda Gerda is Gerda is smarter um, and nicer. Gerda's just a victim of circumstance, but I feel like befriending Alpha did wonders for her. Spending the and she was like really helped her. Like I think we're gonna see Gerda like strongly turn to Hilda's side by the next season if there is a next season. Like she's on her way. Yeah, I mean, she's, I guess she's getting if... properly disillusioned to the assumptions she had about the magical world in real time, and we're seeing it in a really subtle progression. And I love that for her. Love to see it, Gerda. <laughs> love to see it. Yeah. Can we talk about the really disturbing Christmas episode? Because that I was, was the like, only other one to mention. Yeah, it was oh, very okay. weird. It was weird. Like very, it was very weird. So I was like, this is bad. And then like, I mean, the veggie broth is definitely like the highlight of the episode. I do. I do think the end of the episode is very gorgeous with the tree lighting and everything. Yes. I thought that, that that's very oh, good. Oh, we need to talk about how gorgeous the twig episode was. It's so pretty. It was, like, it was, yeah. So it was, pretty. Yeah. Pretty. The, all of the, the celestial. And oh, by the twig also is having dreams of uh, his, his old yes. home. Yes. And Norton somehow is in Hilda's world. Yeah. yeah I want to say that, but I can't. I literally can't pronounce it but yeah that's okay. what i mean that's yeah, crazy. something like, yeah okay but you no know, there's a yeah so we talked about some pretty animation too those are some good examples um and no a- andy circus on was like i'm gonna be in the new season of hilda but it's a secret uh-huh. role no spoilers it's like why couldn't you have spoiled one of these you're the what the main christmas lad who cares you also, say- i want everyone i want everyone to know that dylan's outline says weird christmas dudes which is completely accurate this i mean was this episode lost on me because i because i'm jewish or is like is it's like or is this not also weird for everyone oh no it's super weird well this is one of those like i I am a sucker for like when you have fantasy worlds and you have like their version of whatever holiday like winterfest i also think they're doing like traditional german type of thing with like christmas yeah i think that's so like like i i was i was in and then i was like i'm out (laughs) like like because they were talking about it on their way. They're like, they're like, oh, we're Sparrow Scouts and we're going to sell broth. I'm like, that's adorable. And they're like, here they come. And I was like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And they were like, are you naughty children? And I was like, I'm really out right now. Wow. And <laughs> like, really like made me uncomfortable is like the way they said naughty was just so intense and it just made them look so there evil. There is no I like, I don't know about this energy. Like, I don't know. Lord 2020, there is no reason to say the word naughty in any context. <laughs> it's naughty. It's, it's the, you typically say it in a Santa context, I would say, if it's Well, good. yes. As still, much as I felt ambivalent about the weird Christmas dudes, I'm just gonna call them that because Dylan did write that outline. I love the like the the spooky lady who's supposed to eat children's soup. Like when she's walking in, the first shot you see of her, she has like this big coat on with all these little cages on her back. 
And then you see, like, her mask on with, like, the crack where, like, one real eye is going through. Like, I I actually found her very, like, interesting. And then she takes all the suit back and gets, like, crunk on broth in her her little treehouse at the end. I'm like, yeah, that's, like, not a bad life, maybe. That's all Uh, I need. Like, I I was kind of the best of her. So I thought the best parts of the episode were that the broth was important. That's, like, the number one best part of the episode is that broth was really important. And then also, like, really sweet. They were like, we got to get a present for mom. And and then David was like, you owe me so much candy. Like, what a sweet. You owe me so much candy. So sweet. Also, the whole time, he was like, tips. Like, so funny. I do like that. You grabbed something that made me realize that, like, episode 10 kind of feeds on the back of episode eight in that like that's after that's when Hilda's like realizing that her mom's been upset and that yeah. she could have been a better kid. So then mm-hmm. that doubles down in 10 where she's like, I really need to get her a present to let her know I care about her and I like yeah. appreciate her. It becomes like way more important to her. And then and her friends are the best. Yeah. So I feel like there is like a really nice progression of that stuff, like every couple episodes being seated into, which is nice. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that was handled really well. Um, and that was like this. I think Kilda and Mom in, in that episode is the sweetest parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, we talked about the, some of the standout animation moments episode. I also think Five has some of the standout animation with the windmill. Um, but that was the big talk after season one is, oh, my God, this show is so gorgeous. The color palettes. Um, I didn't notice the color palettes as much this season. I don't know if it was just me. I um, did, but it, it felt less like, oh, my God, more just like, this feels so right. I want to cozy up in my blanket because these are pretty <laughs> colors working I together. Like in the past two years, not necessarily animation, but there's been a lot of media that is very similar in tone and like whimsy to Hilda. So it, maybe it's kind of like dulled us just a bit. I, w- I will say I had a similar reaction to Kipo season one. Kipo, I was like, oh, my God, the animation is incredible. I, these scenes. Yeah. And then in the later seasons, I was more used to it, I guess. Or yeah. it's possible they put more effort into in specifically into the first season. I had a similar reaction to Hilda. I was more blown away by the first season. But probably it's just you're more used to it at this well, point. Well, I think that is one of, the, yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's like it's like the first time you've seen it. Like Kipo, yeah. well, it's like Voltron. We had seven seasons of Voltron. The first time you watch Voltron, you're like, oh, my God, we're in space. This is beautiful. <laughs> And then and there's a giant robot, and you're like, this is amazing. And then by season seven of Voltron, you don't really, like, they do some beautiful things, obviously, with planets, but you, you, it starts to, like, fade in. And especially now that, like, we're like, oh, Studio Mirror is working on another project. We have to watch it. So, like, but I do think, like, Kipo and Hilda, like, it's, like, the first time you've seen it. You haven't really seen anything like it. But then now we're like, oh, well, that's it's not as shocking anymore. Yeah, um, yeah I, but, but it's still incredibly, so still incredibly gorgeous. Love Hilda, like it just makes you feel good. Like it's just great. The music is amazing. Like it, it kept, it kept like all that momentum so well, and that was more my concern. Like, is it gonna not feel as special and cozy right. and intimate? It definitely it, kept it, up. It, yeah, it kept it, and I feel like it, it even, like, doubled down in some episodes in a way that was really exciting to see. So that that just makes me a little relieved. Like, okay, like, they still know who they are. They got their essence, and they probably will very much for the movie, too. I'm pumped for a movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm really also scared, yeah. but pumped. Pumped. Movies uh, make me great. <laughs> The, I just the don't music. want Albert to be in it because, like, I don't want to see him anymore. But Albert, he's so, he'll be he's in so it. So central to the plot now—that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, he, He's—I feel like he's just—he's not—he's like not enough of a threat. I feel like to like be truly well, disgusted I mean, by him. 
Like he's he really is like he, the he's problem, like he's just like, conniving, because, but he's not that scary. I feel okay, like. I'll be honest. It's, if he was a woman, we would hate him less because he's just that annoying like male character. Oh, you you guys would be standing. That's um, true. It's true. true. I, I wouldn't be standing him because of all the bells messing up the wolf. Be- yeah, that's true. Like, that that is the one like, really bad. Be like, oh, this hot villain. But no, we're like he's just this annoying dude being a dude. Eric Eric Alberg is hot. I'll say it. I'll, oh I'll, my God. I'll be the one to say it. Like Kuvira, like I was that person. Yeah. I love Kuvira. She's Kuvira. so hot. She's horrible, horrible yeah, she's person. Really but I'm like, oh, Kuvira is so Kuvira is much worse than Eric Alberg exactly. is like a person. That's what yeah. I was saying. Yeah. Like yeah. Eric Alberg okay. wishes he could be Kuvira. He just oh, is thinking he, really small. He's oh yeah, no, he he's trying to be, but he will never be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. The junior version. He's just gonna go down in history as the Bell guy. That's that's true. I, I, I was gonna say, I like love that season two, the bells, like in Hilda, bells are like the biggest threat. Like, it's like such a Hilda thing. This is like really totally innocuous is. thing. Uh, it's like bells, bells is the. the oh, so every thing. time he pulls out his stupid little bell. You, lo- you love just it, is what you're saying. Grab it away it. from him. Just throw it, it away. Okay. I was shocked that there was like that ancient bell under the water, which implies that Trollberg has been doing this for centuries as a yeah, tactic. Yeah, that was messed up. And then they were automatically perfect. hitting it, and it was like, yeah. bro, no wonder the Kraken's mad. Yeah, yeah that, goes, that goes back. That goes back to what we're saying that's about like Alberg. I mean, did he install the bell? I guess it was there already. But that's what we're saying. Like Alberg is not like creating any of this. The thing right. he's feeding on, right? Wait, um, he did make them all autonomous, and they rang every. Oh my god! Can you imagine, like, so like how could the people to, like that? That's my question. Like, how can anyone no, that? They can't. Like where I so when I went to school, but we have a we have a bell tower, and like it would go off, like you know it would like it would play like my old Kentucky home at like noon, and it would play <laughs> every <laughs> day. Yes, oh. every day it would play That's the Kentucky experience, Delaney. Apparently, it would play my old Kentucky home, and then like you know, and then it would play my alma mater at some random time. I don't remember. And like, so, you know, every hour on the hour though, it's, and that's just one. Can you imagine living in a city with like 9 million bells? And these bells are huge. Like, yeah, I would go insane. Like, no. We've learned that bells are mu- not as innocuous as you would think. That's the moral of the season. Yeah, but bells are evil. Yeah, bells are evil. Um, the I guess, speaking of sound, I guess. No, I was gonna say. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, Voltron, uh, Eric Alberg wishes he's was Lotor, but he'll oh, never be Lotor. Oh my god, Lotor. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I love him, but he's no no Lotor. I'll no, just not hot. I mean, he's hot. But he's not that hot. Let's he's not. It's the <laughs> Can't do the mustache. No, I mean, his voice is like not as Tim Curry as he wants to be. If he was Tim Curry voice, yeah, it'd be sexy. But he's not. He's like a he's like an off brand. He's the store bought version. He, oh, he's I, he's he's, he's, he's off brand Gaston. Yeah, he's he, he off really, is. He off really is. Yeah, that's true. He even has intentionally, and it's it's. I think it's pretty funny. Um, okay, the the music they continued more licensed songs, which is still um, increasingly common for animation, but still pretty uncommon. And yeah. I love uh, love them continuing to. Use Whenever we get lyrics, I get excited. Also, I'm sorry, like Michelle said, David listening to Light Rock, hilarious. It was like the same three songs. Amazing. I think it was the same song or something, but yeah, that was that was good. Um, and I just want to reiterate, I, Hilda's opening credits are incredible. They're um, so good. 
it's it's uh it's, it's a great song in just the way it, the fast moving visuals and they changed it to incorporate all the elements from season two in it i went back out to season i'm pausing it there's a lot of stuff from the finale too that's yes. just so quick yeah, in, uh, in the opening. yeah. so i do hate because we're watching it on netflix mm-hmm. that they're like oh we have a, a different lot. song and we also have every song like every episode has like basically a new song in the end credits and they're like, oh, you get to yep, listen yep. to thirty. You get to listen to like ten seconds of it before we watch the next episode. And I'm like, Netflix, it's so upsetting. Stop. The, autumn, the yeah. whole thing. I'm like, why you do this to me, Netflix? It's sad. And I think the six episode, six episode, one of the episodes has the uh, original song Bella Ramsey wrote about Hilda. And in she sings credits. it. And, she's and she like, sings it. Yeah. Who I so am? Good. I will yeah, say. This season gave me vibes more. Like, I know we keep talking about Kipo a lot, but, like, Kipo had a very good sense of how to make, like, essentially mini music videos out of whole scenes of using licensed music um, in a just very visually cinematic way. And I feel like in season two of Hilda, there were a lot of moments that felt like that for me. Maybe more subdued, like, more calming energy, but, like, just as nice. And I was surprised how many, like, just like breaths of like calming, contemplative, pretty Hilda scenery. Hilda is, like, is really like atmospheric. Yeah. Which is I, why like it's very like it's Hilda is like the vibes. Like it's so <laughs> it's so good at being vibes. It's true. Vibes. Yeah. Um, I, I agree that Hilda is one of the best shows in terms of use of licensed music. Kipo and then Mysticons was another really good one with that, too. Oh, um, I gotta bring I it up. That. I, I know, really sorry. gotta watch that someday. <laughs> Michelle, 50 years later. Not just now, but it's, <laughs> it's only two seasons, right? Wait, so it doesn't matter. She's gonna watch it 50 years from now and cry. If someone gives me a we'll link, that. I heard it's hard to track I have links. I'll, g- I'll, give you, I'll give you links. I'll give you links. Yay! Okay, um, there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay. The okay. The, we've we've we talked about most of these characters already. Uh, Woodman. We didn't talk a lot about Woodman. Captain Woodman's very fun. Um, Captain Woodman. Yes. Yeah, I was it's a different I character. Say, Captain. I will Woodman. say I was dumb when it was like you think they were mad. I won a hat, and I was like, oh, you won a bow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> It's uh, he was great in that episode, um, the second episode, and then he has a few other appearances. Like at first, there. I didn't like him, like in season one, but I'm like, you're just annoyingly charming. Like I appreciate, like, and I really like. I think that's his vibe. Yeah, like, yeah, just- that's his vibe. And I really liked, um, like, when they go to his house when they're looking for Twig, and mm. mom's like, "I gotta go. <laughs> like, I hate you. We have to go. Like, why are we talking to one man? Like." <laughs> I was, I was, Woodman, I feel like was kind of the uh, breakout character of season one for a lot of people. So I'm surprised That's by the show's cool. restraint in use of Woodman this season. I think they have to so that Frida can shine because Woodman is just. Yeah. Also, he can't show up as much. So. Yeah, they leave us wanting more with Woodman. I am uh, That's all about. That's a good position to be in. I do think less true, Woodman. Yeah does a lot like i do like woodman but i'm like i appreciate <laughs> we, we got our iconic woodman episode in episode yeah. two, so it's yep. good um any of the any, we have the, all the care any of these other characters you anyone has more to to say about i think we've hit on the main things with most people i mean i would die for kaizen till do that's about it yeah um and for david he's such an angel I think similar things about the Woodman, I would say, in terms of use, could be said about the librarian as well. I think she was a oh, breakout yeah. character, and they used her more, much more, but still, still, like, they had restraint with her, I would say. Yes, um, but she's a fun character, and I'm excited to see more. Yeah, I think so. Uh, D- David, I think, um, there, I mean, we don't need to get into it too much, but David didn't have the same type of consistent arc that Frida had, which I thought um, is, no, is kind of all. interesting. But he had these kind of standout episodes throughout 
Um, so I, you, you could definitely say like maybe if there's a future season of Hilda beyond the movie, you know, David getting a more concrete arc could right. be a high, high on the list of things that they'd be looking to do. I will say that like it's like the right time to do that. Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be good. Like usually with characters like David, I like just don't care about them at all. But I think they've done like I think David's yeah, a I think they've done a good job. Like usually I'm like, oh whatever. Like, but no, David's like great. I think he's a sweetie. And also I think he's he's an important foil to Hilda because Hilda's like like you, Hilda, you gotta calm down. I mean, David also, you know, is pretty cautious, but at the same time, like I think I think they're I think they're just a, I do think they're a strong trio. Like how much they all care about each other and like yeah, I think I think balance. so. I th- yeah, because like I will say, like when when there were episodes that focused a little more on David's kind of push and pull, like Hilda and Frida have like a shared like hunger for adventure, yeah. and that's one of the things that sets them apart from both of them. Because like Frida is very pragmatic and thoughtful, but David's cautiousness is like a very different kind of reaction to a situation. And I feel like the three of them work together really well for because like Hilda has enough like just like bullish energy for like uh, for two people so it's good that there's like a thoughtful person and a cautious person to kind of balance that out i think you need both of them well i think what we need really that would really help is if we had like a hilda david episode yeah yeah when's the last time they hung out one-on-one i guess like the face your fears episode yeah the dreaming episode in season one but since then not really I think I was I was anticipating a bigger David episode this season. I feel like they right. did a little more with him in season one, but yeah, I think that that could definitely be something we do. Um, but I was I mean obviously like much more happy that we amped up Frida in the plot. Yeah, I I, I agree. Like yes. between the two, I'm glad Frida got to be yeah. a witch. That's amazing. But also also we love David. But yeah, yeah. glad glad it was Frida. Um, okay, I think we hit on basically everything I have ever written down here. So Delaney, was there anything else you want to talk about with Hilda season two? I just really love the season and I'm, oh, they ended on a cliffhanger and I'm mad about it, but uh, I'm hopefully it's not two years again, but also COVID and you know, this is a beautiful show. It takes a lot to animate. And I mean, I'm just really excited. I'm really glad I got to watch Hilda. I love Hilda. It was, it was well worth the wait. Yeah. I was, I I think we know that they're in pre-production already on the movie. So probably not as long, Um, but But maybe they're making the movie first before they make another season. No, I think that's definitely what's happening. Yeah, but yeah. I, yeah. So I think in terms of like, God, we're gonna have a Hilda movie. Them. We're gonna have a Ladybug movie. Like, that's <laughs> all you need. Yeah, yeah. That's There's like a lot need, going like... on. There's a you lot. Engl- going on England. You got France. You know what? What more do you need? Those are the, the. Is the Ladybug London special gonna go to visit Hilda? Is that what's gonna happen? Okay, oh, more on that not. in the Ladybug podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, anything else from Hilda season two? I I'm. I'm very impressed by the by the rewatch value of the show. I do think yes. it's one of those shows that's just easier. Like similar to Summer Camp Island, I'd say it's just the, I love that there's a narrative even more so in this season. They're doubling down some things, but also there's just so many standalone episodes that, like me and Delaney were saying, are just so vibey. It's so easy to watch them a lot, and hopefully that's going to be really good for the Netflix algorithm that determines the future of the show. So selfishly, I'm just really glad it works so well to watch so often. It's very, it's a very low stake show in a way that feels really nice and just charming. And yeah, like eating a milkshake, it's just tasty. <laughs> no, bringing back the milkshake for Delaney. Yeah. Um, well, it's really- <laughs> 
I, <laughs> Hilda Hilda season one must have done very well because they greenlit season two and a movie right away. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, must they have did done that, that pretty soon. Like I feel like the well, news. The movie, that- yeah, movie got greenlit before yeah. season two. Right? I think I think we're in good shape. Yeah, with however much. I mean, Netflix doesn't do anything for too long, unfortunately, anymore. But yeah, um, we'd love a season three. That would be a win. I think if we got movie, then a season three, then we're good. I mean, as much as they want, but that would be wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do we do we have a consensus best episode? Where do we need to pick representatives for OVAs. Oh, I don't think many man. people are going to finish this season. I, I see Michelle voted for uh, the, the Deer Fox, and I, those are the okay. I mean, that's my consensus that, like, hurts is on your heart. Yeah, like, but I, I love eight like, and nine are my big two. Yeah, and, eight yeah, is also would, very very good. It just doesn't make you cry as much. Like, I mean, maybe my day heart. As three, but I do agree yeah. with eight. <laughs> and I think three is a super legit pick as well. I feel yeah, like maybe maybe Deer Fox is the is the one we all agree is is, is really incredible. Um, yeah, no, it is very so. incredible. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. I'm on board. I'm on board with that. I, I think both of the two, the, honestly, eight and nine are two of my top episodes of the year. Also, I will say, Hilda, I do think it deserves a best episode, a best show nomination. I think it's one of the best shows. Yes, it's just very solid. Like what we talk about, and like this experience of watching Hilda. Like you know, you're not there's. You know, some shows you have it's more of like a roller coaster. Hilda, it, quality wise, I should say, like you know, you know what you're getting. Yeah, into. no, it's really consistent, like really comfy, shit. and yeah. But I also, I also think the season did amp up. That like, I do think there's two really incredible episodes. Yes. Plus, there's other really good episodes. So I really feel like it. Uh, season I mean, one, I feel like I was more like it's consistent, it's yeah. fun. But I think this season is is especially standout. Well, I mean, and also like, I mean, I think it does some really interesting things narratively, not just with Deer Fox, but I mean, uh, episode eight. And like, I, there, I think Hilda, like as much as you don't think about it, Hilda does push the envelope narratively and some, like, especially those, those two episodes certainly did. Yeah. And then there's a double, like, double finale where we had multiple plot lines going in a, with, with common themes. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think there's definitely some complexity here too, in addition to all of the things we love about Hilda. And I um, wouldn't nominate for the OVEs, but I do think the Jorts incident is like a sleeper hit. <laughs> No, they had, no, that's on my list of the, yeah, that's the next tier of the, but yeah, that's like, on my so list. Good. Yeah. It, was, like, it was really fun, yeah. Like, I think it's up there with, it's it's up there to me with uh, the VAT episode. The VAT episode? In Rick and Morty. The VAT of Acid, I, I get, okay, that's an interesting comparison. The Jorts incident to the VAT of Acid episode, okay. I have to think about that, but I guess it's, it starts off with a weird opening and... Uh, um, I, I guess for me, it's like the absurdity, like... If if any Hilda episode is like a Rick and Morty, it would be that episode. Yeah, I think so. The like absurd escalation of things. Um, yeah. Also, I don't know who to pick between Frida and Twig for supporting. It. Oh, so, it's hard. It's I really so hard. Pick Frida, but like I, I like I just I was bonded with that. Like I would pick her. I for think anything. Frida was great. Yeah. yeah, maybe yeah, if we, we do Deer Fox for episode, let's split it. If we do Deer Fox for episode, do uh, Frida for supporting yes. character. I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's fair. Okay, so that's until unless other people vote, that'll be one. Okay, so uh, thank thank you for let us know what you think about uh, the Hilda season two. You leave any comments anywhere you're listening to this on YouTube on the website at overlyanimated.com. Find all the links again at overlyanimated.com about us. And uh, if you want to consider supporting us via Patreon, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash overlyanimated. Thanks to our current patrons, especially our Patreon podcast Carter, and thanks as I start Patreon executive producers Ryan, Steve, uh, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonician. Um, We'll be back in two weeks as normal, so check us out then. Topic to be finalized, but we'll be back on the 30th. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you then. Bye. 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 Did you see the Polygon article? Yes! 
I told y'all. I said I, it. I, I haven't read it. I bookmarked it. it yeah, is, no, there's the honestly there have been a lot of those articles. The last well, few months. Because they so. know the truth. That's why there's we, so many. Yeah, words. they finally caught on to what we've been talking about for. A while. I, I said this in 2019, and every step of the way, Dylan. Why are you saving the? Why are you saving this until now? This is I great material. I believe you. Toot your horn. Go for it. I, yeah, I, so 2020 I, is our year, is what you're saying definitively. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll I, always remember 2020 fondly. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Gay yeah. Culture, yes. Everything else terrible, but like, damn it, we got some gays on TV. <laughs> okay, that'll be the uh, post credit scene. Of the podcast. <laughs>